3: This is a more than just podcast production.
1: This is actually our 99th episode. 99th episode. Can you believe it? 99 episodes. Hey everybody, welcome to season four, episode 15 of Spock Cast, also known as episode 99. Um, my name is Timitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuhlein in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello, kids. And I'm joined by Jaime Lucas Jr. in Mr. and Mrs. Seattle. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking about it for a second. be on <laughs> our toes here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Jaime
2: is basking in the glow of the glorious home victory by the Seattle Kraken. What, another one? No, they yeah, won on I mean, the home was- ice. First time ever. Oh, first of all, I see. oh yeah,
1: yes, yeah, yeah. We talked, we talked about that last week, right? That was that's like last well, week. No, days. they
2: won a game last week, but they hadn't won at home because they didn't start playing at home till this week.
1: What? They're they're two
3: and zero. Oh? No, 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 no. They're not. Oh, okay. <laughs> two four and one hosting the Minnesota Wild tonight. <laughs> two four and one. Welcome to what? Leafs country. So We've got two.
1: lost four. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, losing more than you win—that's a Leaf tradition. Yeah, yeah. No, leaf tradition is like going up three goals and then losing four three. That's right. That's right. Crushing defeats, not just defeats, but A crushing. Snatching defeats. defeat from the jaws of
2: victory. Yeah, yeah. May you never become so jaded, I may as we have become.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Indeed. All right. Uh, yeah, that we, we, we house the Stanley cup during the year, but we let other people have it, you know, <laughs> at the end, at the end season. So it, it stays here in Toronto for, you know, and then, then we let the other teams have it, you know, at the end of the year. All righty. Um, can we go out of our way to make that happen? So, uh, yeah, so it's backcheck, fact backcheck. Fact um, Salvor Hardin is the name of the the next protagonist in the Foundation series. And I don't know when. I don't know if that guy that was in the last two episodes ago is the same guy. You know, the the one that was sort of standing up to the Guardian. Um, what do they call her? The not the Guardian Sarge or something like that. They call her the 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 one who has you know the ability to to guard them all. Oh, uh, she's, she's the warden, isn't she? Warden, thank you, warden, she, yes. That is, that is Salvor. Uh, her name is Salvor? Yeah, that's Salvor Harden. Oh, they're messing with the timeline. Yeah. Okay. Because so, in the in the book Salvor Harden, I guess they don't really say what gender Salvor is, but uh, yeah, okay, that's Salvor Harden. Okay. Yes.
2: Hmm. Salvor Harden, uh, yes, I believe they have uh, bent the
1: the gender. Yes. Of, well, the gender.
2: swap the gender I mean, of...
1: I mean, you know, I don't think... Asimov ever really sort of said one way or the other, you know? Uh, according to
2: Asimov.fandom.com, uh, Salvor Hardin was a man in the books.
1: Yeah, and a mayor, too. Like and the mayor of right. Terminus. Yeah, so yeah. so that's why I thought the guy who was standing up to her in the, you know, and he was like, oh, I'm the one that should be running this thing. and Yeah. Until he gets thrown, dragged onto the, the ship and yeah. whatever. And Jaime has no idea what we're talking about.
2: <laughs> yes. Anyway. She could, you can could tell totally she's going to have a pretty main role yeah good character well well worth your time jaime eventually when you get there uh, when you, yeah, you have eventually. a reason to subscribe again it's worth it worth a watch sure.
1: yeah mm-hmm. yep. mm-hmm. um captain sonia gomez is voiced was voiced by Le- licia naff who in fact is the same actress who played sonia gomez in next generation episode q who awesome yeah, so that was that was an interesting tie into that one. And okay, and then the fact check on goaltenders playing the puck. Right, the goaltenders can skate across the red line. That's true. But they right? get penalty. But no, I mean they can skate across the goal line to go. They, they cannot play the puck in the offending zone.
2: And they also cannot make contact with another player.
1: Okay, well, does it say there? I put the rule, rule 27.7 in the thing, but I don't know when that rule is. If a goalkeeper participates in the play in any manner, intentionally plays the puck,
2: or checks an opponent... Opponent, okay, yes. When he is beyond the center red line, a minor penalty should be imposed upon him. So if you cross the line and make contact with another player, uh, so if you go down to, to get into a fight, or you go down and you get into a scrum or don't worry,
1: Jaime, this will never come up in a game. like, (laughs) Like it's like totally unrealistic, you know, by the way, you know, that little trapezoid that they have behind the net. Like, you know how they have like the lines that go back from the net. Mm hmm. That's the only play within that trapezoid is the only place that the the goaltenders allowed to play the puck now, because back in the day, goaltenders were allowed to play the puck anywhere in the defensive zone. Right. And certain players like Martin Brodeur, who was amazing at playing the puck, yeah, would he would be like a, a sixth or third defenseman, you know, like he would just he would get the puck and he would, you know, turn the play completely around. So they so they put that rule in to stop him from doing that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, he was so he was so good at holding and and passing the puck that he had more points than some of his teammates in seasons because he would get so many assists. <laughs> wow. wow! Yeah, and he also scored a couple goals.
1: Yeah, and is and have you seen any games where they go into overtime? Like you know they go into overtime and they have the the three on three play. with a goalie. Yeah. Yeah and and you'll notice that like normally like you know they they start the gold hunter starts on one end of the ice for the first period and the second period he they change ends right and then they, in the third period he comes back to the original end right so they they the thing is they're supposed to it's supposed to like break up the sort of advantage you might have knowing the boards on one side of the, the rink or the other not that the home teams don't know their boards anyway But um, because, you know, you can, depending on how the boards are constructed, you can play the puck certain ways. Some, some uh, theaters are different than others, but there was a guy named Mike Palmater who used to play for the Leafs, who he knew that they'd be switching uh, ends. So he used to take the heel of his blade and he would (laughs) chop up the crease. So the other goaltender would have a rough crease when he came to change ends. Because of that, they don't change ends when they go to overtime. Yeah. (laughs) to stop the goal te- goalies from you know, messing with each other. Anyway, goaltenders have all these sort of weird little things that they do.
2: They're head cases is what he's trying to say. Hi, my goalies are yeah, nuts. They're like by... the, dr-
1: they're the drummers of, of, oh, yeah. of hockey. Yeah. yeah. But they're also the smartest guys on the ice because they, they, they can read the plays really well. I sp- speaking as a former goaltender myself. But anyway, um, and I'm sure Jonathan's brother would agree with me.
2: When you stand voluntarily in, in front of 100-mile-an-hour pieces of vulcanized rubber then perhaps your whole choices in life need to come down to question.
1: I guess. I guess. Anyway. Um, yeah. But at least I don't have like, you know, 200 pound people trying to drive me into the boards every 10 minutes. That, right. That
2: does happen. The benefit yes. is that I'm also one of those 200 pound guys. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. So um, Jean and Sebastian Gier was the huge goaltender that I was talking about. Oh, like, with the oversized it, it, equipment. You know. Yeah. Well, he had the huge equipment and he was, he was like six foot something or other, like he was tall and then he had big equipment. So when he, when he was down in his crouch, you know, his, his, like his shoulders were like, you know, another three or four inches wider than his, than his body kind of thing. He looked, he looked really big in the net, you know, but uh, yeah, that was the name of the goaltender I couldn't remember. And then, uh, fun fact: we may have talked about this before, but I was uh, I was poking around on IMDb or something, and we came across a bunch of famous relatives. And I didn't realize that Ethan Peck is, in fact, Gregory Peck's grandson.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't remember that coming up. I thought I saw that in your notes that you had put in here, yeah. and then thought I don't remember us talking about that before. I can't say but I so see that's why it I completely, it as a but fun
1: fact, not a fact check, right?
2: Yeah, no, no, I know, but I, I can't say that I can completely see it, but I guess I can see some of it.
1: Yeah. Well to grandson is like a it's a step, you know, yeah. beyond, right? Yeah. One step beyond. Yeah. Keeping
3: that grand tradition of Bing, Denise, and Sidney Crosby. The Crosby's having a great <laughs> <laughs> double Thanksgiving. I'm, one you know, one in October and one in you no know, November.
1: <laughs>
3: I'm not sure Sydney qualifies.
1: <laughs> Jaime's always maintained that Sidney Crosby and Denise Crosby are related. Yep. Well, she's in old enough head. to be his mom. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Alrighty. So, um, and then we'll move into the headlines, and Jaime's up first with a little bit of Batman news.
3: Yeah, this one I put in the show notes before we got the big DC fandom stuff, but we'll we'll put the the highlight here on the latest trailer for the Batman with Robert Pattinson as uh, as the eponymous Dark Knight, face off against the Riddler. It looks uh, it looks interesting, and. Um, Colin Farrell does not look like Colin Farrell in this movie which impressed oh, me a lot. Really
2: he really doesn't. He he becomes the penguin. Really? Hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because they show us they show us Farrell as the penguin and then we see I don't know who's playing the Riddler. I must admit I forgot to look it up, but it's it's sort of this mysterious masked character. And we don't really see his There's face.
1: There's Paul Dano here. Paul Dano. Yeah, okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then, yeah, and then we also see Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, too. So, uh, a few big sort of first good looks at these characters.
1: Mm-hmm. Andy Serkis yeah, as Ross, Alfred.
3: James yep. yep. So that's, definitely, that's weird, okay. Definitely yeah. pretty packed in this movie.
1: Yeah. So, is Colin Farrell playing that Silas, whatever his name is, character? Like the the penguin has a name anyway
2: yeah i don't i don't know where in his sort of evolution he's supposed to be at this point if he's um right oswald Cobblepot, or if he's right oswald Cobblepot, yeah, yeah. Or, or if he's the penguin crime magnate the whole nine yards uh what did you guys think uh, jaime what, what, i'm curious uh, is this enough are you are you in on the batman rebooted for the fourth time
3: yeah, I think I can get hyped for this one. Especially when they've got that really cool Batmobile that looks like, you know, like a Trans Am or something with extra yeah, stuff it looks on it. Yeah,
2: like a muscle car. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So I think I'm, i i be hyped for...
1: Arguably, it's the fifth time, though, right? You know, think about well, it. Well, fair, all right. There was a Batman movie in the 60s. It's
3: true. Yes. Bat-shark repellent. Indeed. So get yeah. hyped for March 4th, 2022, in cinema.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I am I gotta admit... I I watched it, and it does look good, but I just feel like so many of these things, it just feels like, you know, it's like day-old pizza. It's like, ah, I guess it'll do, but, but I had pizza yesterday. I don't know. It just feels like, <laughs> you know... Obviously, we've seen a, a few different incarnations of Batman over over you know the television and the movies and everything else and cartoons and 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 there's always going to be room for good Batman stories. I mean, it's one of the reasons why the character is so in, so enduring is that there's good stories to be told. And and this may be a great story, but I just couldn't also help but look at it and go, oh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this again, are we?
3: All right.
2: You know, if you want something yeah.
3: a little different about this next story with uh, John Cena. Yeah, as the peacemaker with his uh, his bald eagle buddy.
2: Yeah. So Jaime,
3: you've seen the Suicide Squad, right? I have, and he does a, a pretty good job, Mister Cena, Mister Former. Well, are they really former wrestlers, though? It feels like these guys I come know. out of retirement all the time. So yeah,
1: not until he's so, dead will I believe he's a former wrestler. <laughs> yeah, no still back. I, I, Wait, are we saying that wrestling is a sport?
2: no it's just that he that they can always come back guys come back in their 60s there's
1: the bald eagle is that like is it played
3: by bradley cooper you know i don't think i've seen the credits for who the bald eagle is played by yeah
2: so i guess that's my question to you jaime so uh tim and i haven't seen the suicide squad movie yet it it is still not available here in any form except for i think maybe you can rent it now on 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 demand um did you did you see enough of that character in that movie to make you want this and do you see enough in this to want to watch it
3: yeah i think i saw enough but i i don't want to overstate it and say like i was demanding this to be a thing it's more like i'm like oh yeah okay let's take a guy who plays uh an intentionally obnoxious character let's see what he does in his own in his own uh, you know series yeah you know, coming out on uh, what January thirteenth, twenty twenty two on HBO Max. Like, I'll, I'll definitely watch this, uh, especially when it went insane with the the bald eagle ally.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, maybe they'll you know go and completely off into the deep end with this one. Um, I, I'm not going to claim that it was a a like must see, uh, but I think you know it feels a good a good spot, especially as HBO Max's starting to turn into the place where they put some of the weird DC stuff Mm. right so maybe Mm -hmm. they're playing a little too um a little too safe at times I think maybe is what your point was on the Batman of like okay there's other characters besides Batman you could show and then here on HBO Max they're like hey you want a Peacemaker show yeah whatever (laughs) throw it on the pile (laughs) you know (laughs) we gotta fill content at HBO Max go for it (laughs) yeah really really. what properties
2: Mm -hmm. do we own okay Peacemaker go so then I'll flip the question to you, Tim. So you haven't seen The Suicide Squad. You have no history with this character. Would you watch this?
1: Well, so Peacemaker, is that like Will Farrell or Will Smith character? Same character? No,
2: else? no, that's Deadshot from the first that, one. Dead oh, Deadshot, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Peacemaker is as uh, an old character. It's been around since the oh, 60s. Um, yeah, I believe I heard the name before, yeah. Yeah, and a bit of an obscure one. Uh, it was a Charlton comic, and then uh, Charlton got bought by... DC in the 80s and he's sort of been one of those sort of you know floating around the edges of, of mainstream for 30 years never really been a, a star of the show he did a couple of miniseries and stuff but he's just kind of this weird thing I mean the catchphrase I think from the 1960s comics was like ensuring peace through war or ensuring peace through violence or something like that like it was really a weird concept right basically he, he calls himself the peacemaker but he shoots and kills people to gain peace. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So these, this is this picture that they have here on this article. This isn't the suicide squad. This is just him and some of his buddies dressed in funny. Outfits. Yeah.
3: It's, 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 other dudes. Yeah. It's not, it's not the suicide squad.
1: Right. Gotcha.
3: Yeah.
2: What yeah, separates us know. from other killers is we only kill bad people. Usually.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the eternals. I don't really, I don't know if I have any motivation to see the eternals, right? Like in that same sense, because I don't know. Um, but you didn't know, know the I, Guardians I, of
2: the Galaxy, and you didn't know, you know, like well, that's true. Some of these, some of these places that they've gone. And the Guardians
1: of the Galaxy was a stretch too. Like, like just you know, even even the concept, the rocket was a bit sort of what, yeah, you know. And <laughs> then they hit it out of the park. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I'm I
2: think Marvel has earned our trust to the point now where you take a chance even if you're not sure of the property. Like, I, I had the same, I think we talked about it previously, I had the same thing on Eternals. I'm like, I've read the Eternals comics. There's been some okay ones. Um, mm-hmm. The one that Neil Gaiman did oh, geez, 10, 10 years ago, 15 years ago was, was quite good. But I still wasn't like, oh my god, I want to really want to see what they'll do in the theater with an Eternals movie. But they've earned my trust to the point where I will go see it just because they've earned my trust and I know they make good movies, whether or not they can continue to deliver at that kind of level. I don't know. And we'll, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Eternals in a couple of minutes.
1: Mm, Okay. Yeah. No, let's, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll wait and see. It's a series, right? Like, I mean, I don't, I didn't watch uh, any of the, was it Defenders? You know, I didn't watch Luke Cage. I I watched Jessica, Jessica, Jones, but mm-hmm. I didn't the rest of it I haven't really gone back and watched. You watched yeah. Daredevil, didn't you? No, I haven't watched Daredevil yet. Either. Oh my god, Daredevil's so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm winning. I'm saving it. You know?
2: <laughs> Even the Punisher, I wasn't sure what whether I would enjoy the Punisher, because it is um a, a bit bleak, but I I haven't watched season two yet, but I watched season one and I quite enjoyed it. Really?
1: Okay. All right.
2: More more than I thought I would by far. And also John Bernthal is just he's a really good actor, so
1: yeah. That, that helped. Yeah. yeah. All right. What's next?
3: I talked about DC fandom and there was a ton of stuff that was you know, shown or talked about there. So we, we already talked about the Batman. We got the first look at black Adam with uh, Dwayne, the rock Johnson as the, uh, the Shazam antagonist. Uh, So that looked kind of cool. We didn't, we didn't see a whole lot, but it's good to see something right. Get, get you teased, get you hyped. Uh, There is video game stuff with suicide squad, kill the justice league. We got the, um, uh, the Flash teaser trailer, which um, mm-hmm. has the voice of uh, Michael Keaton somewhere in the background, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. talking about stuff, so getting you all hyped about having Michael Keaton return as as uh, Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to see some of and the. This
1: is the movie Flash, not the TV Flash. Guy, yeah, right? This is yeah. uh, what's that dude's name? Ezra something? Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. Yeah, yeah. Ezra Miller's uh, right Flash. Mm-hmm.
3: And you've got uh, the. The Shazam and Aquaman sequels. You got to see some, some concept art for that. So um, it's like a teaser oh, for a shit. teaser, I guess, because you think of it that way. We've got the, the Goth of Nights, uh, official Court of the Owls game. Uh, we talked about uh, Peacemaker TV series and then uh, other things I think we knew about, like the season three trailer for Batwoman on TV and uh, even more details on Batman Cape Crusader, uh, the uh, animated series. So tons of stuff, tons, 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 right? Anything catch your uh, your eyes, gentlemen?
2: I mean, I'm a sucker for Batman in the animated series, and Cape Crusader looks like it's sort of homage to that. It's from J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, and Bruce Timm, so I'm I'm in.
1: I'm a hundred percent in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like the, I like the Shazam movie. It's kind of like big with capes, right? You know?
2: Yeah, yeah. I I enjoyed Shazam more than I thought I would. <laughs> yeah and Gotham mode, Knights it, looks amazing. It, the Court of Owls was, is a great storyline from Batman from about 10 years ago and uh and turning that into a game is seems really really cool. So what's
1: the, is this is a game, Gotham Knights or a movie? Gotham Knights a, is a game. A game, okay. Hmm. Oh, I see. It's got Batman or Batgirl, Nightwing, Robin,
2: Yeah, it's basically the the premise is theoretically Batman is dead and all of his uh, partners in crime or partners in crime fighting come and sort of band together to try and figure out what happened. And uh, yeah, it looks really, really cool. And I love it. They had a teaser trailer last uh, like several months back, quite a while back for the Suicide Squad uh, video game, too. And that looks like so much fun. I, I really hope it keeps the vibe of those movies.
1: Cool. All right. Now, moving on to this sucks news. Yeah, Uh this
2: sucks. Uh, So, why the last man has theoretically been cancelled. And that is a bummer, because it is actually starting to become pretty good. Now, cancelled is a bit of a weird term for this one. So, basically what happened is that FX... On Hulu is where it is found Uh, and they decided not to pick up the options to bring the show back because they would have had to extend the contracts of all of their cast members and crew and everything else Mm -hmm. and because this show was so delayed I guess they basically had to you know, midway through season one, basically make a snap call. Do we take a chance that this is going to become a long play for us? Or do we just cut bait? And they basically looked, I guess, at their internal numbers and said, you know what? We can't justify what it'll cost us to have this many people under contract for this long. Because I guess it wasn't like, let's sign them for one more year. It was basically like the option was to pick them all up for like three more seasons simultaneously. Oh, I see. And so they basically said, you know what? It's just not our It's not in for us. So the showrunner uh, is Eliza Clark. She basically said, you know what, this this may be the end of us at FX on Hulu, but we're not quitting yet. So she said they're committed to finding a new home. And there has been plenty of speculation that the logical home for this would be HBO Max, given that uh, HBO is Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers is DC, and DC is is who published this in the first place. So... Mm now we wait the first season is uh is wrapping up i guess next week and it'll be interesting to see if it continues from there i i you know it's it's not quite the comic but it's not a bad show in its own right it is a little bit of a uh, a heavy watch there's certainly a lot of deep stuff but there's been some great performances and and really good stuff in there so i i I
1: really hope for one that they they can keep it going yeah. It's an interesting story. Like the, I mean, obviously like there are a lot of storylines going on. I didn't find the, the first episode busy. I know you and Xavier found it busy, but, mm-hmm. um, cause I think they, they wanted to sort of introduce a bunch of different angles that they could work on. And like, you know, now they've gotten, like you said, they, they, what you call it, you call it um, you know, like they had the, the women in the, in the Walmart kind of. Uh, episode where they just had a you know breakdown on that one
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um like they had a whole episode on that piece right like they they used to do that kind of stuff on, on the walking dead too they would have sort of the ensemble and then they would break off into smaller plots right within a show but this one was an entire episode of the the genesis of of this um air quotes cop lady yeah um but it's interesting that you know how how the u.s government you know um forms out of these women who have you know have been in politics for a long time and and kind of gets just as ridiculous as it is normally, you know um, power plays and all that kind of stuff. yeah
2: it, it's certainly that is a different aspect that is not as prevalent in the books the 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 sort of uh divide obviously that I think they're trying to be reflective of the times. We live in and American politics where it is right now, which is fine, but it yeah. certainly is a, a larger component of the story than it, than it was in the books. Not, not bad, but just also a bit of a digression from the main story. The main mystery is how, is, how did this thing happen and why is Yorick alive yeah, and then we spend a and lot we, of time with well, but I'm still a Republican and I'm still a Democrat, and we still hate each other, even though there are no men around, and you know, my way or the highway, and the whole, you know, and I got to be honest, as somebody who you know pretty voraciously reads the news, I'm like, oh, I kind of get a lot of this when I read the Times and the Post. Do I really need yeah, this in my true. television show? <laughs>
1: well, yeah, and th- and that's just it. I mean, like, like I think that the politics that we've gone through in the last you know eight years or four years, uh, in particular um again this is my problem with what they did with enterprise too is they kind of reflected the the current um political climate and and you know the the war in the gulf and all that kind of stuff right um and here they're doing the same thing they're sort of playing on the the divide between the american you know political parties and and you know how rather than coming together to, together to solve a problem they they're divisive and you know um, that kind of stuff. So it, it's, it's, you know, it's disappointing, you know, as I, I, you know, I've often wondered, you know, what would happen if women took over the world, you know, uh, I kind of always envisioned it would be a, a happier, nicer place, but there are some pretty big dicks in this show, you know, yeah, uh, pun intended because they don't have them, but, you know, they're, they're just as, they're just as bad as you would imagine, you know, male, male people would be, you know. Yeah, it's an interesting, interesting watch. I mean, there's lots of little angles and and you know ways that that you know um, groups of women would would sort of get together and and uh, get through a crisis like this. It's a, it's an interesting thing how they portray it, you know. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, here's here's hoping that they can bring it back around.
1: Yeah, it's disappointing. I I think it would change quite a bit if they. I mean, there are some key characters. I mean, besides Yorick and the monkey, you know, there's there's Hero, and then there's the. Um, lady who plays the president and uh, mm-hmm. like I said, the lady cop person, those are sort of three or four. Oh, and an agent. I've forgotten her number. <laughs> 335 or something. 355. Um, yeah. 355. Yeah. They, they're they interesting characters, you know? So, yeah. It's yeah. Interesting. To, it'd be interesting to see where they go with them. Right.
2: Yeah. Well, at least there is, you know, like in so many of these circumstances, you get the show canceled and you're like, well, well then what happened? At least you
1: can always pick up the book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I was actually thinking was yeah, if this if this does fizzle out, then I, it's interesting enough that I would go and try and read the books. Yeah. You know, which is you know not something I would normally do. I mean, yeah, I have done that if I like a movie enough or something like that, or like in the case of um, waiting for the you know the the third the second half of the or sort of third trilogy of Star Wars to come out, I read some of the books in between. Right? Mm. So
2: yeah, and some of the some of the Trek books, some of the Star Wars books are are quite good.
1: Yeah. And I've read a lot of Star Trek books. I mean, there was a long, long um, drought between, um, you know, the Star Trek and uh, Next Generation. And even after Next Generation, there was a bit of a bit of a lull there too. I read a lot of Kirk books and Spock books Mm. and, you know, like how much for this planet, stuff like that. There were some really interesting ones. And there was one about Archer, which was, you know, um, Kirk's first uh, uh, um, captain, which isn't, which isn't anything like Enterprise, by the way. Yeah. No. Uh, I was I was disappointed when they tried and when not that I don't like Scott Packel I was disappointed when they came and made that into a into a movie or a TV show I should say
3: yeah uh,
2: just a curiosity Jaime have you watched Why the Last Man yet
3: I have not and I was wondering if y'all thought it was gonna get saved in like a fan campaign and end up somewhere else as a home is there like a like when the Orville uh, I guess didn't need to be saved but people were wondering you know after the first season what's gonna happen there was the pickle jar campaign to send to fox studios is there any equivalent thing for this that people have uh, sort of rallied behind
2: yeah i really haven't seen anything from a from an uprising just because they were pretty preemptive on the fact that like they announced that it was canceled at the same time the showrunner basically said you know i'm not giving up and this isn't going anywhere so i think because they know someone's already fighting for it i don't i don't think there's been that sort of grassroots uh organization by the fans i don't think they felt like they needed to get in on it but we'll we'll see i guess whether or not somebody steps in and and picks it up but i do think it is worth carrying and i do think the performances have been good i think there's you know uh diane lane is the president and there's just been some really good stuff in there that's worth carrying forward yeah that's good all right next up speaking of uh really old things yeah (laughs) Moldy old cheese. Uh, Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones Part Five, which uh, still does not have another name, is getting delayed again. It was set to open next year, July the 29th. It has now been bumped to June 30th, 2023, because uh, I guess they're. Delayed because uh, Harrison Ford hurt himself while rehearsing for a fight scene. They think that that might have been the thing that sort of slowed it uh, down the production and and may have uh, you know prevented it from going out on on time. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I can't. I have to look it up how old Harrison Ford is now. But I think he's. I was going to say, do seven year olds
1: normally get into fights? You know. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Let's see how old Mr. Ford is off uh, here. He's 79 now. Wow, 79 yeah. mm-hmm. now. I'm again. We talked about this before. I'm not besmirching the elderly. However, he is going to be uh, filming this theoretically. Uh, well, it'll. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not coming out. He will be 80 years old by the time this comes out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, please stop. Please. Please can I
1: just
2: <laughs> can I just put this out there as a as a longtime fan? Harrison Ford is the biggest movie star in my life, biggest movie star in the in my entire existence. He has been in more blockbuster movies. He is an absolute icon. Please stop playing Indiana Jones. It hurts
1: so much. Yes, that's true. I agree. I mean, you know, I get, I get the whole, I like the character, you know, it's the same as like, uh, similar to, um, well, we'll talk about uncharted in a minute, but it's similar to, you know, uh, Laura Croft and that kind of stuff. And, and I don't know, I think, I think that, you know, uh, a character like, like, you know, uh, what's the character that, um, Tom Hanks is playing written by Dan Brown, um, Robert Langdon, right? Mm, that's another mm. character. And like they're they're doing a TV show now, which is supposed to be earlier in his life, and they've they've brought a new actor in to play him. Mm. Right? And it's quite good, actually. I probably should have put that on my watch list, but maybe I will. But um, yeah, I mean, like I, I, I almost I mean I know we're not huge Shia LaBeouf fans, but uh, I thought that was what they were. I thought that's what they were doing. They were handing off. Well, that
2: that's I think what they wanted to do, and then people, yeah. the response from the fans was no, thank you.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. so I mean like what do they do? They, they it's an interesting an interesting character, but it's it's like Sam Spade and, you know, Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent, you know, you got to if you want to keep the character alive, you got to hand it off to somebody else who can play it like reasonably. Well, right? that's and James, it,
2: there was James Bond, t- didn't Yeah, there was talk that Chris Pratt was was somebody that they were circling as a potential replacement and there there's certainly been people over the years where, you know, they've sort of fit the bill and thought, "Oh, he could he could be a new Indiana Jones. I, I think you got to treat it like James Bond. You know what? To, yeah. to everything, there is a season. Turn, turn, turn. Let's get a new guy. You should
1: have moved into the sort of um, uh, Sean Connery kind of role. I mean, like, you know, like at, in in the was it the second or third movie, third, second movie, right? Uh, uh, the third, third, movie, the third movie
2: had Sean Connery as his dad. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, I mean, that that's kind of where I would I, I would buy Harrison Ford playing, you know, an 80 year old guy advising a younger, you know, archaeologist kind of thing, right?
2: Well, and it's it's funny too because again they're carrying it forward and that's the one thing that was kind of a bit of a leap from the from the third one to the fourth one. The third one was also set, you know, in the 1930s. The Fourth one, obviously, to advance Harrison Harrison Ford's age. They moved it into the 50s. This one, they're probably going to have to move into 80s. I don't know. Um, 90s, yeah. 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 (laughs) So we'll see how that one plays out. But I just keep thinking, like, I want to see more of his adventures when he's a young man doing different things. And, And, of course, you know, like... So many of these things, you know, Alden Ehrenreich, I'll, I'll do respect to him as, as a young hair, uh, young uh, Han Solo. You know, I don't think you need to have a carbon copy. I don't think you need to have somebody who's exactly Harrison right. Ford. Yeah. Again, Harrison yeah. Ford is a frigging legend. He is, you know, his. his it's, I'm just looking at it right here. His, He's played the president. His total film <laughs> box office grosses in his lifetime are over four five $5.4 billion dollars. Yeah. And a world and that's just in the US, in worldwide gross, it's 9.3. He's seventh all-time in the highest-grossing box office stars of in history. I mean, again, he's Han Solo, he's Indiana Jones, he's the president, he's all these different things. He's been in countless iconic roles, and he's a tremendous performer. But I sorry, at 79, I don't care how well choreographed they are and how many stunt performers they have and whatever else they do. I just don't think this is going to be, you know, a place that the, the longtime fans like us are going to want to go. And I don't think it's going to be suddenly attractive to a new generation. If you took that concept and revived it by putting in somebody who was more, you know, uh, you know, vibrant and perhaps a little younger, I could see how that could be successful. But I just don't, I don't know. This just doesn't do anything for me. I, I got to be honest, I, I'm, I'm not going to watch it in the theater. I'm not.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm just not, I mean, the, 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 I I don't, I was going to ask you what you thought about the fourth movie. I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't great. It was
2: bloody bad is what it was. Yeah. And again, you know, like there's obviously some far-fetched stuff, the nuking the fridge and some of that stuff gets, you know, bad. Uh, Shia LaBeouf swinging with the monkeys. I mean, there's some pretty terrible stuff in there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I forgot about that actually. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, or the the jeep scene in the, yeah.
2: the jungle yeah. it's it's campier like it is it is like going from the from the tim burton batmans to the to the um the later ones where they were you know the bat nipples and stuff it was just like wow yeah. we yeah. somewhere back there we just took a left turn and i don't know where we are anymore and yeah. i don't want to be around this like it's just it's just not doing anything for me i'm I'm out, is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm out.
1: Okay. I'm good. out. That's, that's, that's a big big move for you. Yeah.
2: Well, you know me. I don't like to take strong positions, so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Speaking of Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Mark to Mark. So, who, incidentally, not a bad casting for anyways. Yeah, for Sully, yeah. <sighs> a little, little young for Sully, though, I thought. Well, that was, and so that, I'll, I'll give you my perspective, but also give you the perspective of, of uh, our number one fan. So we're talking about the Uncharted official trailer that dropped uh, on. Uh, End of last week, we got the first look at Tom Holland, of course, best known for playing Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe. Uh, he is playing Nathan Drake. We've got Mark Wahlberg, Marky Mark himself, is playing uh, Sully from the adaptation of the very, very popular Uncharted series of video games. It doesn't look bad. It it has, a, I'm it's not without its charm. I'm sure it's going to be pretty decent. However. The first point that uh, my son made and that I can't help but agree with is it's not bad. It just doesn't feel quite right. And I think it's because Tom Holland seems and I know I know he just looks like a little kid. He's really 25. But even then, I probably pictured Nate Drake as maybe early 30s, maybe just a little more mature and perhaps a little more swole, like a little more buff. Yeah, yeah. And Sully is supposed to be this sort of father figure to him. Now, again, this is you know Mark Mark Wahlberg. We tend to think of him as, as Marky Mark, but he is again, he's in his fifties, so sure, okay. Um perhaps he is old enough to be that father figure to him, and perhaps I'm just not seeing it because Sully in the video games is an older person with silver hair and 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 the whole nine. To me, it doesn't look like a bad movie. It just doesn't feel quite like Uncharted yet. And maybe once the movie is out there and we get the you know the banter and the action and it is like frankly this is more Indiana Jones. This is more what I'm looking for in an Indiana Jones movie than the yeah. Indiana Jones movie that's coming out. Maybe it'll. It does. Pay look, off. It does
1: look very similar to the game. Having just played the, yeah. the, the the four games where like the 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 bits that they showed look like things I remember from the first uh, game. Right. Yeah. Like the. Like how they, you know, they have to. They sort of work the game mechanics into some of the challenges that they have, and so they've taken those challenges and put them into the movie. Yep, you know, to make it look and feel like the game, right? Kind of thing. So it, it is reminiscent of that. I've, unfortunately, they cast Tintin and the cat in the main role, right? <laughs> um, you know, but you know, yeah, and you're right. I think I think you know, like like Mark Wahlberg is more built. In the, I thought when when I saw Mark Warburg in in the the two second clip I saw a couple of days ago, um, I thought, oh no, he's playing Nathan Drake, which I could I could see because he's he's got the sort of body build shape, right? Yeah. But thankfully, it's not him playing that. And I and I would have thought that somebody older would play uh, Sully for sure. Like I don't know. And and it's almost like it, it almost needs to be. Uh, more of a journeyman actor than than someone like Mark Mark Rohlberg is a leading guy. I hate to say it, you know, yeah. but he's a leading man, right? So it should have been, you know, some of those more character actor kind of guys playing that role. Because no. that's the role
2: Yeah, yeah, for I'm, for Sully, you're right. Yes. I agree. I, yeah. And, there's, there's and, better and then casting. for
1: Yeah, and I mean, um but I might, I you know like like I've seen um I've seen uh, um Tom Holland do his American accent and it's and it's passable, right? Like it's not like He's not struggling to to pronounce words correctly. I love the scene. I love the shorts. He does a great clip I, I love the short uh, the short little clip there where the where the Scottish guy comes up and says, "I going, going to teach you a Scottish welcome," and he looks at him and goes. What I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> which, well, I mean that's it's typical Graham Norton kind of yeah, couch yeah. banter. Like you know they have some really thick you know uh Brogue speaking comedian on you know Graham Norton, and they say to Lily Tomlin, "Do you understand what he's saying?" And she's like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is a typical I hate to say I'm I mean, American reaction, but you know. Yeah, I I understood what the Scottish guy was saying. Yeah, so did
2: I. I I mm. I'll throw one name at you that. Whenever they talked about this as a hypothetical... And again, I, I was lucky. So I was covering video games professionally when Uncharted, the original, was not even out yet. When it was being developed. And got to sit down with the guys at Naughty Dog and and see it what it was still a build and, and play it and stuff like that. And was really excited for the game when it came out and have been a fan since day one. Loved them all, played them all. I'm in. And yet you've never played Tomb Raider. Uh, no, I've played a couple of Tomb Raiders, just not all the Tomb Raiders. So I found myself as they've been talking about this for years as they talked about who was going to do it oh this person oh this person this person so Wahlberg originally was going to be nate but it's been in development for so Mm. long he just kind of aged past it where it wouldn't make sense fine so then he decides he wants to be sully okay sure he's tagged he's attached to the project he's been attached for for so long so you you know you give him that role I, i get how these things work but the name that immediately I clicked with when they were always talking about, well, who could play, who could play, who could play, it's it's Nate Fillion. It's Nathan Fillion. Oh, really? Nathan to Fillion play would or to play? No, me. to play Nate. Would have been a great oh. Nate. Now, maybe a little older mm-hmm. now, maybe a little too old now. Maybe he's aged out of that too. But he just, that combination of sort of Like, you know, there's not a lot of distance between Nate Drake and Malcolm Reynolds, obviously way less jaded, but just that sort of sardonic wit, uh, you know, charming, quick with a smile, but also good with a good in a fight. I I really think Nathan Fillion would have been a really fun play on this. And that's not to say that that Tom Holland won't be good. And it's not to say this won't be a good movie. It just to me, it still hasn't clicked yet that the vibe is there.
1: But well, see, the thing is, Tom Holland's a name, right? He is. And
2: he certainly comes with his own audience, right?
1: Yeah, I think that I think that's the thing is is because you know it, like you, you mentioned Nathan Fillion I think there's a guy who plays a cop named Tim I can't remember his name or I don't know the actor's name on the rookie yeah who is the right shape and, st- and stance for that blonde haired guy about the same age you know same kind of build that that could pass that off. Um, yeah you're right it's 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 uh, it's an odd casting but you know like again you know this is also this is what happens in movies they just they pick someone like in in the case of they need to have someone like tom holland to carry the movie to have people buy tickets right you know yeah so who knows he might he might be the next you know john wick kind of thing right who knows so let's spin this around to jaime are you excited about any of
2: this are you Hmm? are you in on any of this
3: yeah, I mean, you have any frame of reference? <laughs> um, I'm less tied to the Uncharted series, um, so I didn't have a whole lot of problems with the casting, given that we just talked about uh, Harrison Ford. I'm like, well, Tom Holland's young enough here to be going until he's 79, so there's an advantage there. <laughs> they keep making Uncharted right, yeah. 75. I was like, oh, there you go. He's still going for another crack at it. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think I've played one of the games. I'm not even sure uh, which one it was. It's like Vietnam or Thailand. I kind of vaguely remember, um, so uh, it's not as near and dear to my heart. But uh, I, I kind of came at it from the semi outsider. Okay, I kind of know of the franchise, um, and so I kind of want a uh, you know fun action flick, which the trailer certainly seemed like it was delivering on.
2: Yeah, and I think if you go in with that as your expectation, especially if you don't have the baggage, I think again it looks like it could be fun. It's a you know, it is derivative. It is, it's Tomb Raider, it's Indiana Jones, it's all these different things, you know, hopefully it's as good as some of those things.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. one of the tricky things of using um, a recognizable brand like that, where you, you change it enough and it feels like it maybe gets away from the core of what the fans were sort of looking for, um, and then you may not benefit enough from that name brand, whereas if it was, you know, some other cool name, starring Tom Holland. I'd be like, all right, cool. looks like a cool action flick. I'll go see it. You know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think that's what they're counting on is that there'll be enough people who are like, Oh, Tom Holland by then maybe overplaying Spider-Man in his primary films. And, you know, they'll buy onto him for a new trilogy or a new, new series. I'm just curious as to whether they'll let him swear. Tom Holland. Yeah. Mm, Why not? I just, you know, again, the Disney stuff has been pretty, pretty PG. I think maybe he said, s-h-i-t or something i wonder if know. they gave
1: him the whole script <laughs> well that's a good point yeah next up i yeah um i'm a fan
3: of mythic quest and didn't know after season two if that was kind of a, a nice little goodbye to the series or whether it would continue and it turns out you'll get more seasons a third and a fourth season on apple tv plus so I'm, I'm
1: pleased with that i think there's more to enjoy with these characters yeah, there was, a, there was also a, a like a one-off during WWDC, the, the pandemic issue, right? So there was sort of a 1.5 episode, they, right?
3: they, they did two that were kind of like that. They did the, the pandemic one that was like, okay, we're all sequestered to our own homes. How do we do this kind of thing? They're all online on Zoom or Zoom equivalent. And then they did the Everlight one, which was sort of like a tr- kind of transition back to the office. Sort of thing. I I don't remember if that was actually the second, uh, sorry, the first episode of the second season or not. It was they had they had a couple of in betweens before the real season came out. It seems like so I haven't looked to check to see how they actually rendered that in the Apple TV Plus interface. Yeah, it's an interesting show.
1: Interesting show.
2: Yeah. So so my question to you. I know we talked about this before. It's still on my to do list, but does it make sense to watch and catch up and now watch in real time? Or do you think this is one of those shows that you can just do, do the Jaime and bank it up and watch it in,
1: in sort of one go. Yeah, You can, you can, you can binge this. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it's one. I mean, if you, like, there was a gap between, you know, I mean, the first, uh, I think the first season came out and finished during the beginning of the pandemic. And then, the summer of 2020, they, they rolled out another episode and they had a, they had a live interview with the cast on, at WWDC, which is the worldwide developer conference. Mm. Um, like, at, like it was one of the, because they do these sort of lunch and learn. sites they have like, you know, talk tech talks about mobile development, but they also have um, special guests come in. And that was one of the lunch, lunch, lunch sessions was speaking with the cast from from mythic quest. And of course doing it obviously um, all remote and that kind of thing. So um, and then they, and then they, uh, uh, then they came back with a proper season two, right? And and it was good. I mean, they had some interesting um, character development episodes. You know, like the the guy who writes the the writer is played by um, Abrams. J. What's his name? Um, F. Murray Abraham. F. Murray Abraham. Yeah, he plays him. Uh, plays the old guy, the writer. He's a sort of seasoned, grizzled, you know, character. They do it. They do a flashback season to when he when he was first starting to write uh, pulp fiction and that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, there's a sort of a triangle of people and winning, winning, a I think you won a Hugo award in, in the storyline. So that was kind of interesting if you're, if you're a fan of, you know, fifties and sixties pulp uh, fiction, especially science fiction, you'll know about the Hugo awards and that kind of stuff. So that was interesting. Um, yeah, they've done some good things, but yeah, you can definitely, definitely binge it. It's bingeable for sure. It's something, I mean, it, when it was on, I would, you know, I would watch it every Friday when it came out, you know, with, with the other shows that I watched. It was one of the, like, it, when it was in rotation, I would watch it. So it's worth, worthwhile sitting down to, to consume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this next one I posted here, and this, I posted that when um, the story first came out about uh, the um, director of photography on the the movie getting shot accidentally by alec baldwin um and i died by the time the story came out and, and i had saw something on twitter about you know it had not really hit the mainstream press just yet when i posted it but of course now it's out there it's been out there for a couple of weeks because we've, we've not been recording for two weeks and uh, there's a lot of talk about it And my first reaction when i first saw this was um, you know, the, the, the story is that apparently they, they emptied the bullets uh, out of a gun, uh, you know, they emptied the gunpowder out of the bullets and put them back in the gun to do close-up shots of this gun um, so that you could see that there were, you know, it really looked like there were bullets, like it was a properly loaded gun. And then later on, the, they... Um, remove those bullets and put in blanks so that 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 they would have like a flash and they would make a noise and that kind of stuff when when the actor pulls the trigger and of course unfortunately he's pointing at the camera because that's what they do when they're when they're showing the you know the cowboy character uh shooting somebody in in a in a a movie and unfortunately um and it's come to light too that it was also the prop masters were non-unionized prop uh, prop people because there was a walkout on the on the show just before uh, this particular scene was shot and uh, they didn't properly check that the gun had, was clear, the chamber was clear. And what happened was it pushed a piece of lead out when Alec Baldwin shot the blank and unfortunately killed the director of photography, which get, should say her name too. Um, and um, also uh, I think that one of the other directors too. And my immediate thought was, this is exactly how Brandon Lee was killed shooting a crow. Same story, same deal. Um, You know, a a gun was loaded, filmed, whatever, and then supposedly set up for a shot where it would be pointed at Brandon Lee uh, and fired. And unfortunately, there was some metal left in the chamber. And there's there's a term for it, which I can't remember, but that's how... And of course, you know, this is 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Um, And so it begs the question, why are they still shooting, making... We have blasters and phasers and you know all kinds of uh things why do we still need to have actual bullets in actual guns firing actual gunpowder
2: well because it's cheaper i think is the bottom line that's not an acceptable well, excuse but that that would be the reasoning right? well
1: that that may be that may be the case but i mean like like don't these people have like hundreds of millions of dollars to make these things can't they afford to you know spend fifty thousand dollars and have a, a fake bullet coming of a gun yeah. in the case of um mayor of um Eastwood they don't even have bullets in the guns, all of the shots, all of the effects are done in post. Yeah. Right. So it's, you know, we learned this, we, we supposedly learned this 20 years ago. Um, and yet it's still happening. And it's, it's kind of, it's tragic. Yeah, really. It you really know?
3: is. Mirror East town. Yeah, just just uh, correcting thinking, that one. Yeah. But yeah, I, this one struck me as strange. Cause it seems like there would be a whole series of very obvious steps that would like, I mean, you're, you're definitely taking it like a, a step beyond, right? Of like, well, if it was just all CGI, I'm like, yeah, that's fair. That's true. But like, it seems like just some simple, you know, lock boxes would, would prevent this from happening in the vast majority of cases. And then you have, you know, two people who are involved, the, the armorer, I think, and the, uh, yeah. the AD is like, all right, so open up the lock box. Is there stuff in the gun? Yeah. Take that
1: out put in things that you know to be good. Why not use two guns? And, Why don't I have one that's set, set for the shot and one that's set for the blank? That's exactly
2: know? my thought, Tim. Like how, how if you're cutting corners and you're like, "Yeah, I can't afford $50,000 for CGI on this shot. I I really need to just do it." Get two guns. One gets the blanks, yeah. one gets yeah. the the close-ups. The end
1: yeah. yeah, Hanya Hutchins was at 42 was the director who was, who was killed, and um, the dir- the other director, film director Joel Souza, was also shot with the same effect. Yeah,
2: no, it's it it seems like an an it seems like a, an avoidable tragedy, and that's what makes it so painful. And so I mean, and, and like, can you imagine
1: being Alec Baldwin? Like, like that was not it, it was not his intention, you know? No, of course, at
2: all, of course, you know. Nor was it Brandon Lee's to shoot himself in the head.
1: But did he shoot? He shot himself in the head. I thought he was shot in the chest.
2: Uh, no, I, I believe he he was pretending to commit suicide. No, no, no. Or something. He was
1: shot. He was shot walking into a room. In, and I read this. I read the story about uh, Brendan Lee's death. Oh,
2: okay. Because yeah, I thought the story at the time was that he he had pulled the trigger himself.
1: No, he was walking into. He was walking into a room, and um, the bad guys were supposed to shoot him as he walked into the room. Ugh. Yeah.
2: Either way, again, another just an absolute waste. Like, yeah,
1: tragic stuff. And they they fil- they finished that maybe with a second actor. I think you said at the time. They right?
2: did. Yeah. They they actually filmed. Uh, there was it was almost done. There's only I think one scene, and and actually I know which scene it is. Where uh, and it's it's from the very beginning of the movie where you don't see. Uh, it's the actually face, not, actually yeah. not him. Somebody else.
1: Yeah. 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 Tragedy
2: awful it really is it's really awful and and you're right Tim like it's 2021 almost 2022 Get, just come on hey yeah. here's a thought make more movies like The Martian where there's no guns <laughs> De- yeah. dear De- America where rest of us are kind of over guns a little bit can we can we find something else
1: yeah yeah well I you know if you listen to the news in Toronto these days you'd be a little bit I mean maybe think we're not because it seems to be accelerating here as well now yeah
2: you get, it's ha- not you get half a guess as where as those guns is. are coming from.
1: Yeah, but, but and the thing about it is, is like it's not nearly, I mean, like, you know, we get, I don't know, hundreds of people die through gun violence in Canada in a year. That's almost a week in some places. Yeah,
2: yeah a bad weekend in Chicago is a year
1: in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry to say. Yeah, no,
2: all of it is tragic, but uh, all right, let's, let's try and pull ourselves back out of this one. Um, so some good news. South Park is coming to Paramount Plus with their quote-unquote movies. So there are Ooh. two of these South Park movies that are coming to Paramount Plus this year. Now, if you'll recall, we talked about this a number of episodes back, that the uh, Matt and Trey had signed a $900 million deal to produce a bunch more seasons and these quote-unquote movies, uh, South Park movies, so the movies aren't strictly the same thing as people might have in their mind. I think immediately people think Bigger, Longer and Uncut, which is, you know, uh, just I'm sorry, it's a freaking masterpiece. It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen committed to to film. Uh, I think a, a lot of us were like, oh, my God, if these guys can, can come back around and do that again, great. So they announced this first couple of movies that are coming, one in November, one in December. They're going to do two of these movies per year for Paramount Plus over the next number of years, but they're saying that they're going to be closer to an hour in length, so they're more of a sort of a short feature. I mean, they don't even qualify, I think, as a feature, because it's not 100 minutes or 90 minutes or whatever they need to be to be a feature, 75 maybe for a feature. Uh, So they're they're technically not movies. They, they, They were referring to them as sort of like movie of the week movies. And they want to do something different. They don't want to do Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. They don't want to do the episodes. They want to kind of use it as a new form. Interesting. Um, I'm curious to see what these movies sort of bring. The first one is going to be uh, sort of the post-pandemic. It's how the boys try and sort of reacclimate to society, which I think is something that will resonate with all of us. The idea of like, where do we go from here? So that should be fun and funny. And again, there's there's rarely bad South Park anymore. They are, they're really a, quite a, a polished team of creators that work on that program so i think it'll be good but it's it's interesting that that it's you know being presented like this and that uh yeah that we're going to get two of these in back-to-back months
3: paramount plus so i'll still be subscribing it's basically free for me at that point (laughs) there
2: you go jaime they knew they knew (laughs) we got to find a way to keep jaime lopez on board (laughs) yeah Uh, Okay. (laughs) You guys might like my headline on this one. So uh, Hayden Christensen is headed back to the Star Wars universe. Uh, There was talk that he was going to be in the uh, Obi-Wan series coming to Disney Plus, and apparently that is also coming to pass. He is apparently also reprising his role on the new Ahsoka Disney Plus series. So, Wynakin returns. Oh, they don't understand me. So I guess we'll find out whether you know is he going to be playing himself as Anakin in flashbacks is he going to be appearing as Darth Vader you know how are they how are they doing this it'll be interesting to see I don't mind this I really hope that they can maybe redeem Hayden Christensen I don't think he's a bad yeah. actor I genuinely don't yeah. I've seen him in other roles and I don't think he's a bad actor I think the dialogue that was put in front of him for those two Star Wars movies was just awful.
1: Oh, it was written by George Lucas. Give your head a shake. I know.
2: So I'm hopeful that if there's a better creative team and, you know, a little more thought that they might be able to redeem it. I mean, Anakin in the Clone Wars, having seen the whole run, is an amazing character. And... His arc through that, the, the sort of the rising through the ranks of the Jedi, becoming this sort of powerful and and important general, and then the fall that comes after that, like that arc of that character in that series is devastating because they really they build him up as the mentor to Ahsoka, as the partner to Padme, as the friend and and uh, to Obi Wan. Like they do so much to redeem that character in the Clone Wars, and when he turns and goes to the dark side, it is just
1: heartbreaking so does he do that in the so is that played out in in clone wars or is or is like does does clone wars fit into um was it revenge of the sith which is the last movie it is
2: revenge of the sith is the last of the prequels so the way the series builds is basically it starts during the clone the beginning of the clone wars after episode yeah. two the the film and And then it runs through the entire arc of the Clone Wars, and then the last number of episodes of the final season that they did on Disney+, Plus actually happens in real time with Revenge of the Sith. The last, I think, three episodes are told... In the in the same time frame, in different events in the universe, so you get mm. to see Order sixty six from a different perspective. You get to see okay, yeah. some of those react, some of the some of the big moments, including you know how some of the characters find out and and learn about uh, Anakin's fall and, and all these different things. And it's incre- mm. like it's really really good television. It's really really good television. And mm. then the uh, some of those characters from from Clone Wars, I'm not going to spoil too much, but some of the characters from Clone Wars do carry forward into Rebels, which is set 20 years later, and yeah. there is more to that story that sort of continues from there, and it's it's incredibly good cartoons, incredibly mm. good filmmaking, and as good as anything you'll see on in a Star, Trek, a Star Wars movie in the theater. Like it is, there's some really, really terrific storytelling in there. Mm. So... Again, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that, that by putting him into this in uh, 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 series, I'm hoping by putting him into the Obi Wan series that maybe there is a hope for us to maybe look at Hayden Christensen in that role a little differently.
3: It'll be interesting to to see, given you know timing wise, he should be all Vadered up, right? So it'll be interesting to see how they yeah. they have him play it through uh, through that. I, I do know they did do that, you know, as you mentioned in the in the Rebel series. For that mm-hmm. reveal, but it, I don't know that it'll be completely like that the entire time, right? Like I'm, I'm still trying to piece out how they, um, well, maybe they kind of get them too, right? Oh yeah, okay, okay, yeah. That's that's a good point. Yeah, the mentor mentee like, flashbacks. That's a that's a good point.
2: Yeah, maybe there's a, a sort of a thread that weaves through that story of you know, because theoretically it would have to be for the Ahsoka series because the Ahsoka series is set after the events of Mandalorian. Mandalorian happens five years after uh, episode six. So Vader is dead. So to me, the only way it makes sense is for her to be reliving experiences that she had with Anakin and perhaps interactions she had with Vader. But it could be a really compelling part of that story. I mean, their relationship Mm -hmm. is so well defined in that Clone Wars series. Like they really are they love each other very much. They, they really do care about each other very much. And it, it it is their relationship that in the end, as much as in the movies, it's Padme and Anakin and the tragedy of, of that in the show, it's really, it's Ahsoka and and Anakin. It's the, it's the, you know, uh, you know, the line from the movie is, you know, as Obi-Wan, you were my brother and, and I loved you. And, but in this it's, you know, you were my big brother, you were my, you know, my mentor and you've, you know, you've turned into this monster. Like it's, it's, as or more devastating to see it from Ahsoka's perspective, because she, you know, she joined him as a little girl, and grow, rose up to become a very powerful, uh, you know, Jedi in her own right. And then, you know, to see this happen is is just devastating for her. So it's it's a really powerful moment in the show. And and so the relationship with him would of course have an effect on her, and it'll be interesting to see how they bring that back. Cool. All right. All right. A couple more. Couple more. Uh, so we got our first look at. Pixar's new Lightyear movie, which is kind of Buzz Lightyear, sort of, kinda. Did you gentlemen watch this trailer?
1: No, I didn't see it. Did.
2: So the idea is that it is based on quote unquote the real Buzz Lightyear, not the toy. So it's not uh, yeah. Tim Allen the toy, it's Chris Evans as the voice of the real astronaut, the real space adventurer. On which the toy is based. Ah. It doesn't. I mean it looks great. Pixar makes great looking movies. I just don't know that this was called for. I'll be curious. Again Pixar. They're they are in that Marvel category right. They, they rarely miss. Yeah. So it's probably worth a watch. The animation looks fantastic. It looks really quite well done. I'm sure it's probably going to be good. But I'm also thinking like why. 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 Why are we doing this. Anyways. Mm-hmm. It's, it's worth checking out the trailer
3: for sure. It's a it's a weird choice. It's like a X-Men Origins Wolverine kind of yeah. movie for Buzz Lightyear, which has everybody wondering if they're gonna do the you know, the gritty western for Woody. Yeah, you
2: know? yeah I I can't wait till they get to the <laughs> the backstories for you know all the different characters. Like, give me a break. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and you know, bottom line is again, it's kind of a prequel and prequels suck. Uh anyways. Mm. And our last thing in the headlines is, so I I dragged this one in here from earlier today, Eternals will be out in theaters by the time you hear from us next, and you will have had an opportunity to judge this on your own. However, as of this moment, it is currently the lowest rated Marvel movie on Rotten Tomatoes by critics. It is rated Mm. lower than Thor The Dark World at Mm. 63%. Now, 63% some movies would beg to be 63%, but for a Marvel movie, which are so widely acclaimed and also enjoyed. And again, for a movie made by Chloe Zhao, who just walked away with an Oscar earlier this year, mm. that isn't so good. Um, some of the kinder reviews say things like, you know, it's visually very interesting. There's some good performances. Some of the less kind ones say it is an incomprehensible mess. So... <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't think it's enough to prevent me from wanting to go see it just because obviously the continuity and and, and as I said, Marvel's got my trust at this point. Maybe this is the, the final straw on this one where you kind of have to be a little more of a selective thing, but I'm going to go in with an open mind. It was just interesting that, that, uh, that it's already getting that kind of response. Will this restrict either of you from wanting to see the Eternals? I mean, Tim, you already registered your concerns.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just some of the, I mean, I don't know. I, I get a little tired of Angelina Jolie, but um, she's kind of a female Tom Cruise. But, <laughs> uh, uh, um, you know, I, it, it's interesting. I mean, like, and I do see that I do see in the trailers the to tie into, you know, the snapping Um mm and that stuff and and you know marvel has done some pretty good stuff with WandaVision vision and and you know the the stuff that's come after um end game you know mm-hmm. um it's been interesting compelling what have you you know i did enjoy black widow but then again i like that character and mm-hmm. i like that actress so um and it, you know of course the, the her sister um is really good too seen, I'm, like, i like i saw her in in the the spy movie that she did earlier her tv show i guess it was yeah um, florence
2: pugh yeah she's she's a good actor
1: yeah florence pugh, yep. yeah so that was that was really well done and um and actually yeah with with uh james bond's wife as her mother um rachel vice <laughs> uh, rachel vice thank you <laughs> uh, who's married to daniel craig boom um yeah there you go yeah i mean so that that was good i it, you know i'm i again I'll, yeah i'll probably go see it but i I, I really don't have it's kind of like you like you said like i did i had no frame of reference i mean i had a bit of a frame of reference with guardians of the galaxy you just you just sort of said to me yes no it's going to be a good movie um and it was and both of them actually the first and second one and of course then their their roles in in endgame and um goblet of fire or whatever the other one's called. Um, <laughs> God <laughs> lit <Gauntlet of> fire, <laughs> um yeah, the uh that uh it's you know I, I think it's worth seeing um you'll you'll probably call me and say, hey let's go see this in the theater, and I'll probably go, oh yeah, sure, why not you yeah. you know yeah, well, but I, I think I'd rather see i I got James Bond on my sort of radar ahead of that one, and there's another movie that's in the theater right now, dune, yes, that dune one yeah, although you know dune's not been getting like i hear I hear it's uh, it's a beautiful movie, but um a very sad telling of the tale, right I mm. anyway. mean. Mm. Let's see. Rotten Tomatoes for Dune says
3: 83% critics, 91% audience.
2: I was going to ask, Jaime, I think, is that, a, is that an HBO Max one?
3: It is. So it's a movie I've seen. Um, had a coworker who to, <laughs> had a co-worker who who went to go see it uh, in uh, IMAX, and he said it was amazing. And I was like, yeah, I imagine it was. It looked pretty good on my dinky little TV.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I was going to suggest to, uh, to Tim, There's actually a... a email i got today from cineplex which is our our canadian major Mm. chain of movie theaters here that said just a reminder that uh because eternals is coming out next week if you want to see dune in imax you have six more days oh really wow so that's a threat yeah
1: when's when's when is eternals coming out next Next week week, yeah so 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 this weekend yeah
2: that's that's (laughs) what it's looking like yeah all right but yeah, I already missed. Uh, James Bond is already out of the rotation for IMAX, so uh, not.
1: Great. Is it? Yep. Oh, yep. that's too bad. It is. Oh, I know. Sucks. I mean,
2: it, you can still see it in AVX and and some nice decent stuff, but not not. Uh, I don't think it's back in the IMAX theaters because again, they've got these blockbusters that are gonna hold up the next little while. And mm. yep, because again, also Matrix is coming and Spider Man's coming, and yeah, so there's a whole bunch of tentpoles coming this fall that are that are gonna fill those spots. Cool. All right. All right now the
1: reason that we all came here today hey kids is that part of the show where you were waiting for where we talk about a star trek vehicle this time is a brand new show a brand new vehicle for us to a brand new ship everything the whole nine year, well i guess it's an old ship yeah, but maybe yeah. at least one old character yeah well yeah that's true mm. but yeah but let's not spoil it all for right i right. can't wait till the last five minutes of the show um yeah, it's called uh, Prodigy, and it just came out. It's produced by Nickelodeon and I guess Paramount. So yeah, what Jonathan's going to do us uh, a favor of sort of hitting the high high notes. Uh, of Season 1, Episode 1, Lost and Found, Parts 1 and 2. Yeah, so we get our our deluxe first sort of uh, for us here on
2: Crave in Canada, they basically played it like as one giant episode. They don't bother to take a break in between, uh, we were speculating earlier where they would probably put a break in when they re-air this down the road, but uh, yeah, it sort of plays out like one sort of longer episode, although since it is like Lower Decks, a 30 minute with commercials show, it's about 22 minutes. You get about a 45 minute episode Episode here, and uh, yeah, the highlights. So starts off at, a, at a, on a prison world. We meet the uh, feisty young person uh, named Dalrel, and uh, Dal is you know uh, this sort of unknown species. He is focused on getting his uh, his butt off of this this sort of uh, world where everybody is being held prisoner and forced to mine for
1: something. Uh, we, crystals, crystals. Yeah,
2: yeah, crystal. Well, they're mining crystals, but anyway, we'll get into that. So, uh, we, you know, as he is trying to sort of ex, uh, pl- plot this escape and and in this first sort of sequence, we learn that there is also this mysterious fugitive zero, who is uh, is you know being sought by the same you know overlords that are running this place, uh, you know. Fugitive Zero helps uh, Dal try and escape. He has this sort of big chase scene that ensues. He's being pursued by this uh, this big sort of general grievous slash Darth Vader character known as Dreadnought and uh and his sort of minion of uh of uh squids from the matrix there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of stuff mm-hmm. happening here they are uh yeah they have this whole sort of chase scene at the beginning they you know he's trying to figure out like any way that he can get out of this place he's just he's just trying to get out in the end he doesn't uh he gets caught he is basically uh brought in and he's being going to be interrogated the uh person who runs this facility who is the one forcing them into this sort of slavery is called the diviner his daughter is working with him we later find out her name is gwyn and the diviner you know is asking for the boy to be questioned he wants to locate this mysterious uh, fugitive zero and also uh, we get a sort of an allusion to the fact that there is this uh, mysterious other secret agenda that the diviner has uh gwyn is tasked with basically trying to you know gently coerce the uh truth out of uh dal to try and figure out if he is in cahoots or cat boots as she says with uh fugitive zero they basically give him you know a day to go and try and find this fugitive zero otherwise they're gonna Turn him over to the dreadnought, and the dreadnought's gonna gonna torture him basically until they figure out what he knows. They send him down to this ultra deep level of the of the, uh, the place that they're mining this asteroid planet. What do you guys think? Planetoid,
1: something. Planetoid. Planetoid. Yeah, okay. Planetoid. I'll go planetoid. Ruripente. Yeah,
2: Ruripente, Exactly. So they. Uh, it's such an original story. I
1: just have
0: to. I interject. know, I know.
2: Well, we, we'll 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 digress into our our thoughts after. But uh, they send him down there. He is uh, basically they show him this safety video on the way down. That's a pretty funny moment where they're talking about all the dangers that mm-hmm. he can encounter down there, and they realize that they have to be uh, basically ankle shackled to a buddy for the buddy system through this. And he gets shackled to this huge rock creature. And the two of them are down there.' They're, you know he's trying to figure out, well, how do, I, how do I get us out of here? How do I you know, explain to this rock thing? Uh, we should also clarify at this point. There's no interna- uh, no uh, universal translator. They don't speak the same language. They're just all may as well be grunting at each other for all they know. They disagree. They have a little bit of a spat and uh, an accident ensues. They find themselves in a different chamber. And this different chamber is filled with these really valuable crystals. But more important than the crystals is this big, huge, clearly Federation ship. As they do the big flyby, we see that it's the USS Protostar, And uh, we see Dal and this big rock creature go inside. The rock creature sees a uh, comm badge, presses the combat badge button. The ship powers up and the Universal Translator turns on. And you realize that uh, this giant rock creature is... Not just Echo Jackson, yeah. yeah, it's not just uh, you know, this big hulking grunting thing, it's actually got a really high voice. Um, obviously, gender is not necessarily a, a needed pronoun in here anyway, so we'll say they. Their name is Romtak, uh, and you know, uh, they point out I'm big, not dumb. I and you know, they're this very sort of actually bubbly and and sort of effervescent type of. Creature and not this grunting thing that we first encountered. Uh, yeah. we also, at that point, we realized that Fugitive Zero is there and they're like, hey, you know what? This is our ticket out of here. Let's figure out how to fix this thing. Oh, you know what we need to do? We need to go get the guy up on top who's a really good engineer. So they go and they grab this guy. His name is jencom Pog, uh, played by Jason Manzucas, one of our personal favorites, I think, across this uh, all the different things he's been on, on TV. Uh, He has this cool transformer hand that transforms into parts, which is pretty neat. Uh, They go down, start working on the ship. They're trying to figure their way out of there. (laughs) Rum ends up uh, finding another uh, ally for them to take on board. It's this uh, rather strange critter called Murph. Um, Murph is a um, gelatinous critter. That is uh, voiced by D. Bradley Baker, which is funny. We were talking about Clone Wars. Uh, G- D. Bradley Baker is the voice of all the clones in the Clone Wars. And oh. is now reduced to you know squeaks and grunts and, and whistles for Murph, which is pretty funny. Uh, so, at that point, um, they capture uh, Dal again. They are going to exile him to the surface. Uh, and they have him up there working on the Conan wheel. I don't know if you guys remember that from the beginning of Conan. That's how Conan gets so Mm -hmm. strong is they put him on the push wheel and he has to push it around for years. He's pushing that out. He ends up, you know, through an quote unquote accident, he ends up getting freed and then goes back down to the ship. They realize that Gwyn and the dreadnought actually set him up so that they could follow him back. They go down there. They, uh, you know, lead them back to Fugitive zero. At that point, they're like to hell with this. They get on the ship and they basically have this huge chase scene adventure where, Uh, the ship is trying to escape from this underground cave and get back out into space. Uh, Mass chaos ensues. There's a really good sort of fight scene. Um, you know, Dow's on the outside trying to fix the shields. They're inside trying to figure out how to fly the ship. Uh, you know, all yeah. it's all sort of going off. It's
1: a pretty, turn left, pretty yeah. good action yeah. scene.
2: Uh, and then, you know, the Dreadnought is trying to attack. Uh, Dow one's on the outside. Uh, the great line I thought of Jaime immediately when they said, you know, press the pew 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 button. Where's the pew 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 button? Oh, you better believe <laughs> I was going to mention this is where the pew 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 oh. occurs. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of pew pew pew. Press all the buttons until something goes pew pew pew. Um, yeah, no, again, good, funny, funny, funny scene, funny stuff. Um. They eventually get their way out. They head off into space. And as we get into the, the end of the episode, we get sort of two teases for where we're going. One is that they say the word help on the bridge and we see a, a hologram of our beloved Admiral or Captain Catherine Janeway uh, from, of course, from Voyager. Hologram Janeway, And hey, yes. She says, I am hologram Janeway and I am here to help. And then we also cut back to the the planetoid where we see this mysterious character, the diviner, and he is pulled himself out of this sort of back to tank thing that he's in. And he is pissed and he wants his ship back. So we set ourselves up for this, you know, uh, where this show is going. We've got a crew, we've got a ship they're in space. We've got a bad guy. He's got his, his, you know, army of, of bad guys to chase them. And we have the mystery, which is, how did the Federation ship end up in the Delta Quadrant, buried in this planetoid? And why is Catherine Janeway? Yeah, and
1: we're some some way in the future too. The, the one thing you forgot to mention too is that uh, was it um, what's Zero's first name there? Fugitive. Uh, Fugitive Zero is a Medusa. And, a uh, yeah. Medusa. Yeah, Medusans. They basically. Uh, anybody who looks at them will go mad yeah. or do crazy things. Mm-hmm. So she's built, or they have built, a case around uh, themselves. Like they've they've built their own little ship. They look a little bit like um, Mike Wazowski. Uh, Mike Wazowski <laughs> from, from yeah, Exactly. Exactly like that. Exactly. And, and like that's, who's, that's who's trying to figure out how to fly the ship. And because uh, they're a telepath, they're able to communicate with uh, Dal, who's outside telling them what to do, like, you know, with his thoughts, you know, and, yeah. and uh, she's able to read those kind of things. So that's kind of cool.
0: Yep.
2: Um, and I've, I've included in here in our notes, we've got the sort of rundown of cast. So Dal is played by Brett Gray described as a 17 year old Maverick. Uh, uh, Gwyn is Ella Purnell, a 17 year old Vau Nakat. So she, she's the daughter of the, the bad guy. Jason Manzoukas, we talked about playing Jankon Pog, also young 16 year old Tellarite. Uh, Angus Imri as Zero, uh, a non-comporeal, genderless, energy-based life form. Uh, Riley Alazraki playing Rock Tak, a shy 8-year-old Brickar who loves animals. Dee Bradley Baker we talked about as Murph, the undestructible blob. Jimmy Simpson, uh, famously from Westworld, uh, as the Dreadnought. John Noble as the Diviner. John Noble, of course, uh, Lord of the Rings, as well as... Uh, fringe and uh, yeah and of course Kate Mulgrew reprising her very famous role as Catherine Janeway so yeah now we've, we've got all the players on the board we've got a pretty good start so uh, I, I will open the door to you gentlemen first so I thought it
1: was a really interesting thing uh, interesting introduction to Star Trek for young people mm-hmm. like there was there were some some tropes that we're used to you know this is this is the you know the episode three of the movie where kirk and gang you know puts together a ragtag crew who steals a ship and escapes you know the the clutches of whoever's holding the ship back and you know like it's sort of that same um that's something we've seen in the movie a number of times in the movies a number of times you know like the, the whole kirk and gang stealing the ship and doing what they need to do right um and but interesting because it's got the young the young character uh it's i, I don't know how scary it's probably too scary for a, a kid under you know 10 or 11 um but but it's not i don't think the audience is necessarily i mean it was great for us i mean i enjoyed it um but it definitely was written down uh in like sort of a young young uh kind of like a youth story kind of deal but um that typical typical um Storyline written for young adult, young adults, right? No, no what's what do you call it? Yeah, young adults, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Teens adults, and tweens. Adults, yeah, Jaime yeah. mean, is mean probably right age group for it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I mean it, this is rated uh, in the U.S. I think for seven plus. That mm-hmm. might be kind of borderline. Like, I think uh, you'll definitely have to take your judgment with your kids. Like, it is. A little bit darker than you would normally see on Nickelodeon, which is where this was originally intended to to go. But it's, I mean, I compare it to, you know, um, like Sleeping Beauty and and not Angelina Jolie Maleficent, but like old school Maleficent. Mm-hmm. And that that's pretty dark and scary and, and kids can kind of deal. Again, it kind of depends on your own kid. You should probably watch the episode before making your own judgments uh as to whether your kid's going to be okay because there is some stuff that's like oh man like this is harsh they're they're abusing the people who are doing the mining they're there's scary mm-hmm. pointy stuff there's creepy crawly bug robots yeah. and stuff so it, it can well, be and kind they're, of they're intense. children
2: right like i think that's the sort of the underlying thing here is that they're you know everybody who's working there is supposed to be a young person so it's it's child slavery too which is pretty intense yeah
1: well and it, but there's no there's no um, blatant violence in that sense to I me mean, like nobody nobody gets phasered and disappears nobody gets it's, disrupted and, yeah, yeah. It's,
2: it's worth noting there are no deaths in the in the first
1: one at least that we could no know, breaking glass either <laughs> yeah
2: that. no I think it
1: was broken glass but you didn't get the sound yeah. it's
2: somewhat tame and they do go that same way I mean we, we talked about it in, in the lead up to this coming out that the vibe was very Clone Wars and I think yeah. it does sort of pay that in that the only sort of characters that suffer uh, irreparable violence are robots. And, yeah. you know, well, it's got there's the that element of, of the, risk, uh, but not, like, death and imminent death. Although Colmor certainly went there, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, it's it, there's a bit of that toy story, sort of, you know, the the, the scene where the ship and, and the, the robot dude who breaks out of his his cape and goes after Dal on, on the ex, exterior of the ship. I mean, that... That sort of that, you know, um, in the tunnel, whipping through space and time and and whatever, you know, like that, that kind of those kind of things. So uh, one thing I will say, though, about young kids is, is it's surprising what, um, and there's a variety of characters in this, right? It's surprising what characters will, will um, make a kid afraid, Mm. right? It's, it's like, it could be the spider type characters. It could be like even the gelatinous blob might tweak a kid or or even the medusa might be something that freaks them out a bit you know like definitely you know the evil characters have a tendency to do that but like yeah you never know with young kids what what is going to trigger them right
2: but it's it's true to but then i think like the two things they did were very smart so you know, Dal is a pretty friendly-looking character. All things being yeah. well, is colorful and interesting and charming. Uh, Gwyn, rascal, same thing. Yes. She's supposed to be, you know, a little, you know, seventeen-year-old, and she's, you know, alien, alien, pretty. Uh, Jenkum Pog is supposed to be sort of the comic reliefy character, and they so they carry yeah. that well. You're right. Zero is kind of a weird one, especially when they introduce the idea that the Medusan can like drive people crazy by looking at them. But, but Rock could be a scary character. But then they give. Rock, the, the young, uh, light, feminine voice, and the, the attitude of an eight-year-old, and that really helps alleviate that. And just the weird, funny sounds that are coming out of Murph, the weird D Bradley Baker noises, takes what could be a weird character and, and makes it, you know, playful and, and light. So, you know, I, I do think that they, they thread the
1: needle pretty well, pretty well with that stuff. The, the, the initial part where you first meet, what's the, the Red Rock character's name? Rock. Uh, rock, talk. rock yeah when, when you first meet her or, or they them whatever yeah. um they're they're grumpy and they're 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 not they don't seem to be kind of on the side of um of DAO. Like, you know, like he's not doing he's not working and he's not, you know, mining and he's not doing the thing. And and it's not until you get that reveal in the ship that the universal translator kicks in and you realize that it has a very young, young voice and and not as, not nearly as scary. But I, some kids might not make it that far into the story. Right. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Right.
3: Yeah. No, you're right. Like this. This is an interesting choice for them. So they chose a setting in the Delta Quadrant where Mm -hmm. you don't have to necessarily have the baggage of, um, oh, you know, look, this is, let me take a step back. This is a show that is made for somebody whose birth year definitely starts with a two. And I'm thinking probably (laughs) has two zero one as the first three digits, right? Uh, Which which is kind of scary. Like, oh my gosh, 2010, Wow. Okay. Sure. Let's go for that, right? Because that's probably where they start. So you have somebody mm-hmm. who may not have gone down the path of the various, you know, copious decades of Star Trek lore. And even if they did, just practical math says it's an increasing problem, you know, every year of like how much would you have to catch up on yeah. to really get everything. So they they choose Delta Quadrant where they can just make up new character uh, uh, aliens. They have the Tellarite, which it's not strictly important um, that you know what a Tellarite is and how it relates to, as a species to the original series and et cetera. It does lend interesting stuff for people like us who might be watching, you know, with their youngins and be like, hey, what the heck is he doing there? Is, you know, is this, you know, another caretaker sort of situation? Uh, he seems to not really be that familiar with the existence of Starfleet in the Federation, but there are people who do have that. So there's a little bit of like, Voyager, you know, if you know that like Voyager came here into the Delta Quadrant, ran roughshod over it for seven years, and then, you know, stirred things up, you can kind of see the background as a longtime fan and as a born in the 2010s kind of fan who's just starting this as their first, you know, introduction. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty reasonable. This is like the lightest possible way you could get into, you know, what is it that's happening here? And you've got the the nice cheat or conceit of uh what's this guy's name, Dal's character, who doesn't know a whole lot, He doesn't know who he is, doesn't know what his whole thing is. Other people will explain the Delta Quadrant to him, and I assume the hologram Janeway can explain Star Trek, Starfleet, the Federation, etc. to to him, which means the young'uns learn about it too as they go along.
2: Yeah, that's a really excellent point, Jaime, and it's... I, I did think about that as I was comparing this to what we just finished, which was, you know, the second season of Lower Decks. Lower Decks... Piggybacks off of your knowledge of Star Trek. It really kind of is... You can watch it and you can enjoy it, but the deeper your Star Trek knowledge, kind of the more fun it is in its way because it's it really does sort of carry those jokes around and everything else. It occurred to me as I was getting to the end of this one, you would not have to have seen one episode of Star Trek to watch this. Not one. It helps. Exactly. Yeah. You know... That's it, what I meant by an intro, yeah. yeah. Like, it is It is almost a, a, a f- perfect landing as far as trying to give this to a 10-year-old who's never seen a Star Trek show and say, this is what Star Trek can be. It's about, you know, unlikely allies. It's about, you know, uniting against a common enemy. It's it's all these sort of themes that are true to the Star Trek ethos, but you don't need it. And when you do need it, they'll have Hologram Janeway explain it to you. It's pretty It's pretty smart.
3: Yeah. And, and I hadn't even thought about the... The universal translator and not having that play a part immediately in the story mm. is is kind of an interesting take. Where one for an adult, it adds kind of a man. They have these people mining; they don't even know what's going on. Like yeah. they're just people yelling a foreign language to them that they don't understand. All the other people around them are uh, you know scarier or at least less friendly seeming and foreign purely because of language barriers. Until mm-hmm. you have the the magic translator. translate and you're like oh the the talking rock rock talk is uh, is not so scary after all right yeah
1: so yeah yeah Yeah, I missed uh, I missed that Jimmy Simpson and and John Noble that didn't really stick out with me I thought you know I was trying to sort of play some of the some of the voices Um, the Ellen Purnell sounds a bit like um, I can't can't remember her name Um, the woman who plays Padme oh Natalie Portman yeah, she sounded a bit. Like, she's got a voice a bit like that, so yeah, which was kind of interesting. But yeah, um, and and you know the, the Brett Gray character. I mean, he sounds like you know a typical um, rapscallion kid, yeah, you know, yeah. school sort of, dodger, yeah, type, yeah. Right? scoundrel yeah.
2: of a teenager, yeah. Manzoukas is un, mm-hmm. unmistakable, of course. You know, uh, it's just like one of those incredible voices that's been on so many different things now. You know, uh, obviously Big Mouth and and uh, you know Brooklyn Nine Nine and just like so many different shows. Good place, and mm-hmm. he is just an absolute freaking legend. I I love I love him. He's so much so much fun, and, and again, it seems like another fun role for him to sink his teeth into. Is this sort of yeah. swaggering? I know how to fix anything. Engineer type. That's a that's a good fit. Yeah.
3: I don't know if anybody's so, done a size comparison of the Protostar, the USS Protostar. It it feels without any other sort of on-screen ships to compare to that we would know the size of. It feels like it is a, kind of like a Nova class, so the USS Equinox from Voyager, which was mm-hmm. considerably smaller than the Voyager, and then if you took yeah. that shape and then squished it down to fit into the Defiance size, given how it seems like... It fits like a crew of fifty or fewer
1: on a normal basis. Yeah, they did say twenty was the number they came up with, but I thought that you know, I to me it's bigger than the Defiant in my mind.
2: Yeah, I I also figured it, figured it to be pretty small because they said it would take twenty people to crew minimum. That to me said yeah. pretty darn small for a Federation vessel, especially one with the with those types of. Uh, of warp nacelles and everything. That seemed pretty small.
1: Well oh, they didn't have a lower decks either, like this, you know, everybody was up on the bridge, right? Yeah,
2: I guess we'll see. I mean, obviously exploring the ship comes in, in subsequent episodes. We'll see sort of yeah. we'll get a scope of it. But yeah, it does it does
1: seem small. But will t- 10 forward have an age requirement? No <laughs> That's right. They can't have any synth the hall. Temples the whole way. But you <laughs> That's know right.
3: because we know the size of Kate mulgrew and therefore Captain Jane Raid. There's almost certainly somebody on the internet who said, okay, let's take the size of the hologram, as shown on screen, assume it's a normal it's human small. size um, uh, uh, You know, bridge items like the consoles and the chairs. And then, OK, what did we see for the bridge? And therefore, how many decks does it have based on, you know, slicing it up? And there's probably somebody who's figured out a size online. Yeah,
2: so I guess the, the bottom line on this one, I want to know from you guys. So generally we're in on all things track. Would you recommend this to someone? And will you want to watch this outside of the obligation of us doing this program together?
3: I'd watch it. Yeah. I'd watch this. Like I enjoyed the, um, the bad batch coming into mm-hmm. it from that angle, yeah. kind of a lighter, um, lighter fare that I could watch any time of the day, whether that's for breakfast, lunch, um, dinner, of course, but like even kind of late night where it's like, Oh, I kind of don't want to get too intense. Cause I'm trying to wind down. This feels like a good wind down kind of show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know that I would recommend on a normal basis for folks, like unless I knew that they were like, you know, deeply into Star Trek completionism or they had youngins who they might want to enjoy this with, or, um, you know, some other factors because it, it is like, if you came in, like if you just woke up, you know, or maybe to be a little happier, if you crossed through, you know, through time and you just walked in from like 1987 and you're like, Hey, Star Trek's still going on? That's cool. I enjoyed TNG. What's, uh, what's up? Like, I don't know that this is where kind of like invite them to come watch. Um, yeah, it, I think it is a good starting point for, for newer, younger fans. I think if you're an adult that's trying to get into Star Trek, I think there's probably better fare than this. Um, I think we could probably point to some other things. Um, yeah. but it, it's not to to, to discount it. And it was, it's just, it's so unique because of how it's targeted specifically at a younger audience. Right. It's not like, um, it's not like lower decks, which leans a little bit older than this. And even though I think the animated series at the time was sort of viewed as like, Oh, that's for kids. Cause it's animated, right? Let's like, no, no, that's just a very old school Western way of thinking about art. Whereas the, they, they did try to play it mostly straight for the animated series. And it's kind yeah. of, you know, did what they could with the animation.
2: Yeah, I'll be curious to to see where this show goes. I do think that I I would watch this irrespective of it being tracked but it's it is funny because I think after coming straight off of Lower Decks, which is it's my favorite track they're doing right now, and it's so flat out funny. This has funny moments, and there's certainly humor, but it's a very different type of humor. It will be interesting to see, uh, you know, where this one finds its equilibrium on
1: uh, with the fans. Cool. All right, should we move on to our watch lists? Hell's yeah, sure. Hell's yeah.
3: Yeah, for, uh, a couple items that I've got here. First one is something you can't watch, but you could. You could certainly put together while you're watching the uh, the original Home Alone series. <laughs> um, there is a massive. $250 Lego set available uh, now or soon. I need to check. Uh, November 1st for the Home Alone house. And it's got all sorts of goodies like the little tree house that he zipped, uh, Kevin McAllister ziplines through and uh, it, it opens up like a dollhouse so you can do all the different scenes. It seems like it's got a lot of the, the characters and gadgets. little the The traps, the booby traps. I mean, it's got, I don't know which Person, this is from the the New York Knicks, but it's got like the, the little train system with the uh, mm-hmm. the stand up yeah. dummies made to look like the, Number the party's yeah. still going on. Hmm. Twenty three, it's not Ewing, is it? I'd be embarrassed if it should know this. But yeah, I mean it <laughs> it, it it looks great.
2: Yeah, it's it's like a. Like the
1: Catherine of doll, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool set. I, I gotta admit, Jaime, mean, you beat me to the punch. It's a it's a really good one. Uh, expensive, but but very cool. Even if you just have it as like a Christmas house on your you know on your mantelpiece or something, yeah. it looks pretty cool. Yeah. But um, yeah. It, <laughs> It brought back that mind that the the old argument of what exactly did Mister McAllister do to be able to afford that house and to be able to fly everybody to to France for Christmas holidays and everything else and so there's a, a great Reddit theory that he was a, a like a mob lawyer or a mob uh, a mobster of some kind or something and you know hmm. that he that he must he must be doing something untoward to be able to afford a house like that yeah. <laughs> I mean really right. if you go back and watch that movie that house is amazing. Yeah. Like <laughs> it would be worth millions and millions and millions of dollars especially in that neighborhood in Chicago. Yeah. And now it can be yours for just 250 bucks.
1: Yeah. It is a pretty impressive like set even just I mean like you know when I when I thought oh it's going to be like the living room of uh a friend's people or whatever but it it's you know and I have the the uh Sesame Street house behind me but um it's a pretty big, decent set. I mean, like even just as a house goes, you know, um, and it's got all the sort of the fun stuff in there. Like the, the oh, this, I guess the character has the two faces, the, um, the two guys who play Joe Pesci and who's the other guy who plays the bad, bad guys. Um, Stern, Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern. The, Daniel Stern must come with two faces. One with just the regular expression and one with the iron pressed into his face, you know, yeah, yeah. the red he can mark, spin his head right? around yeah. and make him look uh, different ways. Yeah. And the grumpy old neighbor with the trash cans, yeah, he's in this yeah, thing. And yeah. yeah. And then the, the paint can going down the stairs is uh, the two are breaking in. So it's a fun, fun thing. Yeah. And Kevin sitting down having his own Christmas dinner. Yeah. You no. Know? Yeah. And the cat door and all that Yep, dog door, I guess. No, it's, it's, it's the Bucks. It says the Bucks 23. I guess it's Chicago, right? Chicago,
2: it's bulls. I miss- bulls 23 is Jordan. So that would make sense.
1: Uh, is, she, is Chicago Bulls?
2: Yeah, Chicago Bulls twenty three in in that era is Michael Jordan. That would make sense. But doesn't he have a Michael Jordan standee, like a stand up in his room or something? Is not that what he uses? He uses it I when can't, they do the really
1: see in the
3: picture when they do the train
2: yeah. that goes around the living room. He has the. the it would uh, make sense, yeah. Jordan.
3: I I was looking at the image that they show here, and I think it's just not high enough quality. From I think now it's his bricks and not nicks, because twenty three for Jordan would absolutely yeah, make sense. Yeah.
2: Oh. Right. Yeah, because I think at one point he's got that attached to the, uh,
3: to the train yeah. set
2: in the living room, so it looks like a person's walking by.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and the the reason I was like, oh, twenty three, it kind of looks like Nick's New York. Oh, wait, wait a minute, they don't go to New York till the second movie, and you're right, they were from Chicago or Chicago yeah. area, mm-hmm. right, right, right.
1: Yep. Well, looks good. Hours of fun. I wonder if they're going to come up with the Christmas Story house the I mean, if this does, it's a major
3: right. award <laughs> if this does well enough maybe yeah. they'll do that too
1: yeah all right what's next time Uh
3: second one here is the aquaman king of atlantis uh miniseries animated miniseries on hbo max uh there's three parts all three parts are out now i've only seen the first two because the uh the third one just came out today and uh prioritized prodigy because we were going to talk about that on the show but it it's very enjoyable. I've, I've been enjoyed this different take on a DC character that is style wise. It's kind of like adventure time. If you've ever seen that on cartoon network, I oh, love adventure time.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. So it's got the, the irreverent take on, on things and it's, I'm, I'm really digging it. Um, I'm not familiar with the, like I know ocean master, uh, is sort of the, uh, the, the main antagonist that, uh, Aquaman deals with.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I'm less familiar with the Russian villain who's come out in the series. I'm sure I could look it up, but um, uh, it's just been a, a fun time. How like the the basic premise is that the people of Atlantis kind of don't really care who the King of Atlantis is. So yeah. whether, whether it's <laughs> whether it's Aquaman or the Ocean Master is just kind of all the same to them, and that's sort of the main driving force. For our Aquaman, and this one, and he's like, "I want to be a good king and want the people to love me. What do I have to do here?"
2: Yeah. So this one hasn't showed up here yet, and I'm disappointed. It's uh, yeah, it, it's not on Crave, which is where we normally get HBO content. So I'm not sure what the the ETA is on that one, but I'm I'm hopeful that it will show up before long. Because um, yeah, I, I like. I like Aquaman. I like Adventure Time. I like quirky cartoons. It kind of seems sort of SpongeBoby too. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm I'd like to see this one.
1: It's like the triad, you know, we've, the Suicide Squad, Aquaman, and the Apple Card. You know, <laughs> things we don't get in Canada. Yes, right?
2: all the reasons why we are hosed <laughs> up here. Yeah,
1: I yeah. I, and, I don't and,
3: know how this will end up in in Canada. I I think it's really uh, nice and enjoyable. I don't know that it's a must see, but it definitely is a. It probably should see if that makes you feel better. Right. However, you have to wait, or you know, maybe it comes out on iTunes. Are you,
1: are you justifying your expense of watching? it um, subscription? <laughs> I mean, uh, HBO Max, like it's basically free
3: because I'm continuing it, at least here through the year of 2021, as long as they have their um, their Warner Brothers films. And I think The Matrix will be the final one in mm. December, and I cannot recall for the life of me what comes out in November. Um, but it's been a, a pretty good wild ride in terms of like, all right, it's basically like going to the movies for an entire year. Let's, let's play with this. So I'm not just playing with house money when it comes to Aquaman. I decided to try it out I said, Oh, it's like SpongeBob. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. It's a little older than SpongeBob. It's, it's adventure time, I think. So that gives you an idea, right. you know, what sort of kiddos you would want to watch this with. There's uh, uh Mira is, is an interesting punchy character who is, uh, overtly romantically attracted to Aquaman, but kind of in a smoochy smoochy sort of way and not anything, um, you know, too inappropriate for kids, I think.
1: All right, cool. So I've got a couple here. My, my first one that I put up for sure is war of the worlds, the season two of the British French production, uh, shown on CBC Canada here. Um, it's the, the sound is amazing. I, I listen to this. I have, I have my home pod connected to my TV. And so I get the nice deep basses and uh, I just noticed that the soundtrack on it is really good. It's, it's actually um, done in English and the French people speak French uh, when they're talking to each other. So there's subtitles and stuff like that. One of my favorite things, but um, it's an interesting take on the story. I think I talked about it last year because the, the aliens are like those um, Boston Dynamic uh, robot dogs that you see—very um, menacing. And um, season two has taken a turn in that uh, there are some sleeper cells, uh, people who didn't know that they are actually um, descended from the the aliens. They they were sort of planted on the planet. Um, and it's a bit like uh, from a story plot point of view, it's a bit like The Walking Dead. In other words, don't get too hung up on some of the characters and thinking, oh, I really like this actor. They're they're really good uh, because they may end up with a bullet in their head. Mm. So, yeah, so very strange. Like there were recent, recent episode. We lost some characters that I wasn't expecting to lose. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Um, and so Carol is a big fan of Dan Brown books. And so we've seen most of the movies and uh, we were like Tom Hanks portrayal of Robert Langdon, but the Lost symbol started, I think we're four episodes in three, four episodes in, I don't know the name of the actor who plays it, but I just put it up here as an afterthought. Uh, definitely. It's something I think that this audience would enjoy. Um, it's that, um, you know, you uh, know, it's got you know the sort of the Da Vinci Code kind twist to it. You know, there's there's some sort of um, you know uh, old ancient thing that uh, that um, Robert Langton has to sort of piece together. Uh, Eddie Izzard's in it as a, as one of the main characters. He gets kidnapped in the first episode, and his daughter and Robert Langdon are trying to find him and recover him. Yeah, Um really really good show. Have you watched any of it? Any of it, John? No, no? I
2: saw. Actually, I didn't even know that they were doing it until I, I happened to be out. Uh, yeah. recently, and I saw a, a bus stop ad for it. That yeah, said what a
1: waste of money. Lost eh? <laughs>
2: Symbol and was like, oh, yeah. that's, a, that's a TV show? I, I don't know how that one slipped through my radar. I also uh, have read all those books. Um, you know, yeah. there, there are some better moments than others. Lost Symbol is a tricky one. I don't know if you ever read that book, Tim, but it's... No, I haven't read that one yet, It's, no, it's no, a tricky one to read do. That one it was definitely, yeah. it was yeah. clear uh, when you when you get into it, why it wouldn't have made a great film... In mm. the Tom Hanks, you know, Ron Howard, uh, like right. the other three, it just, it winds a lot. It goes a lot of different places and it, it kind of, a TV show is a good medium for it. I think I think that's a good way to go. Um, I did look it up. It's a young man's name is Ashley Zuckerman is the... the guy and it, and is it an
1: Imagine Entertainment production?
2: Uh, that is a good question. I don't see that. Let me just double check. It is, um,
1: I don't know if they had like, I don't know if they the rights to this one too. So one of the things I, I'm enjoying about this, this new culture that we live in is, so I missed the first couple of episodes of War of the Worlds when it came back season two, but I'm using an app called CBC Gem mm-hmm. to watch mm-hmm. shows on CBC. I do that with CTV. If I miss, because uh, CTV, you can get the Space Channel stuff. So if you miss Lower Decks, you can go back and watch them there on demand. Yep. Um, and I'm watching, I think I'm using that to watch uh, the Doctor Who stuff from from the, very, the second generation with um, Christopher Eccleston. Yep. Um, series. I've gone a few episodes into that one, um, and so there's a couple of other shows that have come out this since it's like new new televisions it's, shows usually come out in September, um, and so there's a couple of new uh, sci-fi that have come out. Um, one called Four Forty, which I just. Um, uh, 4,400, I think it is. I just uh, recorded the first one. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm looking forward to that one. I, w- I recorded the first episode or two of La Brea. My re- my, I watched about 10 or 15 minutes of it, and uh, no. Oh, okay. Uh, just It's like, no. We need to have a little
3: sidebar worse. on don't touch my trash that I use as a comment yeah. to talk to uh, yeah. my
1: significant other. Yeah, oh, La Brea, she watched no, no, that? No, no,
3: no. We should do it as after show or something, because I don't want to digress too much here but but i i have my my
1: pet shows that i watch from uh from normal network television yeah well i think i think it's sort of i mean like it starts off sort of war of the worlds ish kind of weirdness and then you know a big a big cavity opens up in i guess la brea california and um people fall through and they yeah then it's sort of a lost world it's kind of landed the lost. Yeah, Atlanta Lost, you know, um, what's the other one? Uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth, kind of like, yeah, I don't know. And Lost lost is an interesting term to put in this because it's got that sort of vibe at the very beginning. But, uh, yeah, I haven't haven't made it past the first commercial break. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is not
2: uh, what you want to hear.
1: Yeah, yeah. And off to you, John.
2: Yeah, just a quick real-time follow-up. I looked because I was thinking it's so strange that that, uh, King of Atlantis came out in the States and didn't come out here Apparently in Canada, they're showing it on Teletoon. So that's why it didn't, it wasn't even like on a channel that I normally keep a, keep my radar on. That's that's why I did not know that it had already started here. So you can actually watch it if you have uh, something like uh, Bell 5 TV or uh, Rogers Ignite. You can watch it uh, on demand. Well, I wonder
1: if it's all on a streaming chat. Like, is it on a sh- does Teletoon have a streaming app? It...
2: it- I don't know if they themselves do, but you can watch their content. Well, they, I mean, they
1: would be part. They're part of a bigger like, like yes. you know, the Rogers yes. and the Bells. Yes. They have their, their channels that they own, and they kind of put all the shows in one app. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm now now I see that the first
2: two episodes are ready to go there. So so I am I am in. I'm going in going in this weekend. Uh, okay, a couple things from me. Big Mouth season five starts on November fifth on Netflix. I uh, have talked about it on previous shows. One of my favorite shows. It is both uh, extremely filthy and extremely poignant it is a is a really really uh, fine line that they walk and do cross with great frequency. It is absolutely at times filthy uh, but it is also it's incredibly, uh, Relevant. They they do this great job of being really frank about sex and sexuality and gender and all these different complex things the kids go through, and really put it into really uh, both very very over the top funny and also very poignant terms sometimes. So uh, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. If you uh, if you have watched it, then I, I don't think I need to convince you that season five is going to be a great one. The trailer is already up, and the trailer looks hilarious. It looks like they've done a uh, puppeteered. episode episode uh, instead of a cartooned episode for their Christmas special this year. Uh, it looks filthy and hilarious. And uh, yeah, I just cannot wait for the show to come back. It's 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 never not really, really great. Cool. And the last thing I got, I mentioned this to the guys on our uh, on our Slack channel where we we do encourage you to uh, to join up the friends of the show and, and chat with us. Um, we've got some more vintage Mandalorian Characters. So this is what uh, what Tim gave me for Christmas last year were these uh, these characters from the Mandalorian, but they've done them in the style of the vintage 1970s and 80s Star Wars Kenner Star Wars figures. So they've got like the long straight arms, they're you know a little, little more rigid looking, but they do look for me, they're like just Mwah, chef's kiss, they are just perfect. So in the first wave last year, we got, you know, the ones you'd expect. We got the Mandalorian, we got the Child, we got, you know, uh, all the sort of standard characters from the earlier seasons. Now we've got uh, for another six figures coming out this year. Uh, they just announced them at uh, Hasbro Pulse, uh, the, the uh, PulseCon they had last week. There's a uh, Boba Fett, new Boba Fett, with his big, baggy black pants on. We've got a Bo-Katan. Uh, we've got an Ahsoka with her white lightsabers. We've got a Mandalorian all done up in his new Beskar armor. We've got one of the Imperial Death Troopers that uh, we see in the, the final season, of, uh, final episode of last season. And the armorer, the uh, mysterious masked Mandalorian armorer who, who melts the Beskar down and makes the new armor for... Uh, for the mandalorian so yeah very very cool these will as i mentioned to tim hint hint these are right at the top of my christmas list this year (laughs) they are uh they are super super cool and they're super super kitschy and i i absolutely love this stuff cool all right there's also a whole new wave of Black Series figures, which are those deluxe, pretty pricey, all things being equal, uh, deluxe six-inch figures, very, very posable. very, very much more modern looking. Uh, they just announced a whole new wave of, of characters, including a bunch of Mandalorian ones that look really badass too so if you're looking to see what's hot and new in toys uh, hasbro pulse uh hasbro just put out this big event last week in the fine tradition of netflix day and disney plus day and all these different things that are happening they did their own event and released basically you know new ghos new transformers new star wars new all these new toys that are coming out uh this holiday mm-hmm. season new power rangers new you name it and then there's a bunch of stuff in there so it's uh it's worth having a look at some cool cool stuff coming out A really cool uh, version of the Needler from Halo, but done with Nerf pellets. Very, very cool. Uh, I highly recommend looking at that one.
3: Yeah, I had not seen Hasbro Pulse. And it was a smorgasbord. And immediately I found my own Christmas gift to myself. The Marvel, and I threw this in the show notes, Marvel Legends series X-Men Wolverine 90s animated series, which I said, wow, that's amazing. looks exactly like he did in the nineties animated show. And then I looked at the images and said, what it comes with a tiny little picture frame picture? of Scott Summers <laughs> and Jean Grey Cyclops. And, I know. Isn't that great? Like You can reenact him being mournful <laughs> over their relationship oh. because he wants Jean. Wow. Yeah, just like the meme. It's
2: so awesome. Yeah. There's also a Jubilee from that wave that they, they announced as well. The, the new Marvel legend stuff. Uh, yeah, it the, the it's. I love that the people that are making these toys now are they're people that get us. <laughs> like it really is only right. people who watched this and lived it and get this could make this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week, uh, Jonathan. If you want to get in touch with you, where do they find you? You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at jpknews. All right, and how many people want to get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter. as at dev with the hair. Right. As usual, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, and we'll see you in the future.
0: Bye.
1: Bye. You've been listening to the
3: Spockcast podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast, or see the episode show notes, visit the Spockcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpotCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Comments on, on uh, Don't Touch My Trash kind of TV. So in previous seasons. Is this, is this going in the show? Or this, no? <laughs> this can be this can be after show. It fits as after show. I didn't want All to right. go. Because you mentioned La Brea. Okay. okay. So before I can talk about La Brea, I have to go back to a few seasons ago when two shows came out. Heaven only knows what channels they come out on, because <laughs> with with the way that I watch TV, I don't actually switch to like a real channel. I switch to the content, right? Mm. Um, New Amsterdam is a TV drama. It's a medical drama. It's it's pretty straightforward when it comes to that, right? But it it, it is something I've enjoyed because it's, I'm like, wow, this is good trashy TV. Right. I enjoy watching these dumpster fire characters and go through their stuff. And I'm like, what? I cannot believe that this character did that. And it's a good way for me to unwind at the end of a day, right? Because it's not gonna challenge me, you know, intellectually. It's gonna be more like, you know, um, watching a cheesy flick. And I've I've enjoyed it for that reason. I had originally started watching Manifest, the show where the airplane like, yes, you know, gets yeah, lost yeah. and then reappears five years later. I went into that yeah. early. I was like, oh, this is kind of enjoyable too. When it started off with the concept of um, being more about what are the impacts when people are missing for five years and they come back and, you know, your, your loved ones have mourned you, maybe they've moved on and remarried, had kids with somebody else. Like, I thought that was cool. I didn't like how it started turning into more like lost and weird supernatural i was like dude i don't really care how the airplane got into the future my main thing was the drama the human drama about what Mm -hmm. is it that the impact is kind of like the way they sort of briefly touched upon in um avengers Endgame of like what happens when you get snapped and then you come back to life and it causes chaos right even geopolitical chaos we see in the the falcon and the winter soldier so that's my long-winded way of saying okay Coming into this season, I said, all right, I'm still continuing to watch New Amsterdam for the Don't Touch My Trash, (laughs) as I tell my significant Mm -hmm. other. She's like, why do you watch this show? It's so bad. I'm like, no, no, no. It's bad, but like in a good way, right? (laughs) I I know it's not great. I'm Mm -hmm. not recommending it to other people. I'm watching it because I enjoy it. This season, La Brea and uh, Ordinary Joe were the shows that I said. These kind of smell like New Amsterdam and Manifest. Let's see what happens. So La Brea, yeah, I watched yeah. It a little bit, and like you, know, I was like, "No, nah, this is getting way too silly." And I kind of don't care how they got there. I only kind of care that like they went into this crazy world, right? I'll, I'll, I'll you know, uh, take the you know suspension of disbelief of like, okay, they fell into a big hole and they ended up somewhere else, right? Okay, whatever. Like, what happens when you live there? Is it going to be like you know Lord of the Flies was going to happen? And they kind of like manifest went into no, no, no. It's like lost. We need to figure out. Had this husband? How does he have like these headaches? But he like he's got visions of what's happening. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't care. That's not what it's about for me. Ordinary Joe is a show that I've stuck with because it's more like New Amsterdam. It's not complicated. It's kind of trashy. Basic premise is this guy has to make a choice right as he is uh, graduating. So he's they they start off the series with you know he has uh, shown up late to his college graduation ceremony. And he encounters another student who is also late, and he's kind of interested and in flirty with her. And he has uh, a, a sort of on again, off again girlfriend in college, who you know wants to to tell him something, wants him to to, to go out after the graduation ceremony. And then he's got his uh, his cop uncle who wants him to like go hang out with the family and do a celebration. So the basic premise of this series is. We're going to follow the what if, what if he decided to go with that that new girl, what if he decided to go with the girl he had hung out with in college, and what if he decided to go with his family. And you get to see the three different timelines as to what's happening and how these characters still interact with each other. Again, it's not terribly complicated. It's still kind of trashy TV, but I enjoy it. Because it stays true to the core of like what happened here. There isn't some weird like, oh, but like how did the timeline split? And it's gotta come back. I say, like, no, no, dude, I don't care about that. I wanna just focus on the human drama. Hmm. So that's the uh the don't touch my trash. The, I I I get it from a <laughs> internet meme of a like a possum or a raccoon or something on a on a trash bin, <laughs> screeching at whatever has opened up the top of the bin and is upset at. Yeah, I,
2: I think we all have guilty pleasure shows. I think we all have shows that, you know, when you tell people, they're like, seriously? But, you know, sometimes the heart wants what it wants. It's
1: exactly. like eating a bag of
2: potato chips. You know it's not good for you, but that doesn't mean you're not going to eat that bag of potato chips.
1: Exactly. Oh, I found the meme one sec. Yeah, it's funny. I'm just, I'm just re- um, reading up on a, a thing. I watch, I've i been watching the American um, crime story impeachment thing about Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. And all the, you know, the exploits of that. And so there's a famous story that I've heard that uh, I've heard, I I believe Winston Churchill told the story about, you know, he and his wife were out walking and they met up this, this sort of disheveled homeless type looking guy. And um, Winston Churchill's wife says, you know, greets him and says, how are you doing? And how have you been? And all that kind of stuff. And Churchill says to her, who was that? And she says, oh, that's, that's a man I dated before I, you know, married you. And uh, he looks at her and says, well, aren't you glad you married me instead of him? And she says, well, no, if I married him, he would have been prime minister. But I'm pumped. Anyway, so I was watching the um, impeachment thing. And at the end of the episode that I just watched, uh, Clinton says to Hillary, tell the story, tell the story. And, and he starts telling the story. And then, you know, finally, Edie um, Franco says, as, as Hillary Clinton, if I married him, he'd be president of the United States. But and and i as soon as i heard that i'm like wait they stole that from churchill and it turns out that that, that story has been circulating for a number of years uh initially told by told by george um george bush and his wife and uh, i believe there's a version where obama and the obamas tell the same story so it's kind of like it's it's interesting how this this story has been appropriated by uh by american history you know Interesting, don't you think? Don't find that interesting? Yeah,
2: no, it's definitely. It is one of those apocryphal things you hear go around, right? Mm -hmm. And it all comes back Mm -hmm. to that, you know. What's it? The uh, behind every great man is an even greater woman. No, a surprised woman. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's my favorite. My favorite. One of my favorite. uh, Churchill stories is you know this woman gets up in parliament she says you know if you were my husband I would poison your tea and he says if you were my wife I would drink it <laughs> <laughs> is a uh, I was just reading a, a piece about Churchill the other day where
2: they were talking about how um this new book basically systematically takes apart the
1: legend and
2: says you know the, yeah, the best yeah. part of Winston Churchill was that he was really good at, at building his own myth
1: yeah, it's interesting to see him portrayed in Have you watched the is it the Queen the one that's about no um the Crown Elizabeth the one that's no the one about Elizabeth which plays uh what's um uh, Matt Smith as uh no that's Prince Philip right um the girl who plays um oh, what's her name in on on uh, Instagram and Twitter um anyway the the, the the one I'm drawing a blank on from Doctor Who, uh, the Matt Smith series and um, Kevin, Peter Capaldi series, she plays Queen Elizabeth. Mm. Yeah, that's quite a good one. And uh, I, believe, oh, no, I no, I know it is the it is the crown I'm thinking of where where um, John Lithgow plays Winston Churchill. Oh, yeah. Um, and And it's not a very reverent story. It's like he's, you know, he's old and he's ailing and he's, you know. Uh, he's, you know, basically running the country with an iron fist kind of thing. And, and, uh, but they're showing him as a, you know, not a, not a, you know, not the great monument that we, we think of when we think of Winston Churchill, mm-hmm. yeah, sort of more human, human, like not human, but just sort of, yeah, ailing and a bit full of himself I, about the time that he gets, uh, gets tossed out. Right. So yeah. mm-hmm. have you watched the crown at all?
2: No, Sherry watched the whole shebang and said it was amazing, but uh, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I struggle. I mean, I I don't know if you know this about me, and I'm going to launch this across for our, our potential listeners, but I despise the fact that we are still uh, monarchy, a part yeah. of, well, we're not technically part of the monarchy, but we are part of the Commonwealth. I hmm. think it is long overdue for Canada to be a republic and stand on its own two feet. I think that, that era of being in any way beholden to the crown is is... Long, long, long overdue for getting rid of. Um, I think we should be at Republic and, and that's that. And I hated the fact that our uh, previous government to the current one uh, basically retied even stronger ties to the to the uh, the crown, because I think it's a waste of time, money and and attention. If you pay attention to these people, all they want is more attention, and that's not good for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't <laughs> like true. to indulge in anything that has to do with the uh, British monarchy, because I think it is both outdated and, uh, quite frankly, um, uh, not befitting of the times that we live in. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure it's good television, and I, I like a lot of the performers who are on it. I'm sure it's great TV. I just... Uh, I would probably spend all of my time yelling at my screen. So I don't know that that's the best use of my time.
3: Yeah, I haven't seen any of it. And given they did a little bit of a time jump, uh, or maybe a couple of time jumps. Yeah, a few, few jumps. Yeah. I'm like, them, yeah. they're eventually going to run out of content unless each season starts taking less and less of a time slice of like,
1: <laughs> this entire season is one week, <laughs> you know? It's like. I don't know. They don't jump like that. No, no, it's, 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 it's quite a period of time. It's not. Uh, like
3: yeah. But there's time. like, I mean, we joke about the, the queen being infinite and her just floating around in space as the earth has been obliterated by the sun billions of years yeah. from now.
1: Well, she's, I mean, she's like what 90, she just turned 97, 98, 99. Like who, who works a a day job like that? You know, if she was just in, in the hospital a couple of, a couple of days last week ago. Right. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. It's, it's an interesting, you're, you're, Jonathan's right. It is an interesting sort of uh, hold over. I kind of wonder like, you know, what the, what the connection is other than, you know.
2: Well, and it's, it's funny because it depends on sort of the where like there, there is technically still a King and Queen in a lot of different countries, but it's really, yeah. it's much more subdued. It's, it's more sort of ceremonial and far less yeah. like <laughs> the fact that the Canadian government in order to enact a law has to have the queen sign off on it is galling beyond words to me. Like to to like, we're going to ask, she's 95, by the way, to ask a 95 Mm -hmm. year old person who lives, you know, across an ocean to bless our choices of our laws in 2021 is beyond insulting to who we are as a culture. (laughs)
1: Yeah, like, yeah.
2: I don't I don't think we needed to go as far as our, our neighbors to the south and, you know, actually have a revolution. But I think at this point we can pretty much just say thanks for all your help. We're good now. Yeah. You know, we actually have to have a, a governor general here whose job it is, is to be the liaison with Buckingham Palace. Like, I'm pretty sure I could yeah. save us a few yeah. tax dollars here, kids. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. I, was I was just wondering, like, how much of our
1: tax money goes over there right
2: yeah i I don't know that there is much of a contribution beyond you know ceremony i'd be much more outraged if i was a a uk citizen although if i was a uk citizen there's a lot more reasons to be outraged than the monarchy so um you know start at 10 downing street work your way up um but yeah it's there's you know the, the whole thing is just its just a little weird. I mean, I met – I was uh, fortunate to uh, work, do some work in Sweden uh, 16, 17 years ago uh, and made some contacts over there working in the uh, diplomatic corps. The king and queen of Sweden came to Toronto for an official visit. I was fortunate enough to be invited and got to meet their majesties. And it was a neat experience, but, you know, it wasn't like – it wasn't a ridiculous amount of pomp and circumstance. It was really, it was a cocktail party, you know, like it was not like, mm-hmm. you know, when the queen comes here, it's, you know, red carpet, this and your majesty, that, and it was just like, hmm, really? Okay. I just feel like, mm. you know, this day and, air, day and age, the idea that there is this, you know, this group that are subsidized by the public for any reason just seems extremely elitist and and really... Out of step at the times I mean we talk about the one Percenters in the states but man if that's If that's upsetting to people where should this Fall
3: Take yeah. your take your love for for Queen Elizabeth and place it Elsewhere that is uh, less Political and and even older so Queen Elizabeth 95 years Angela Lansbury 96 years
2: <laughs>
1: And Betty White See, now <laughs> Betty yeah. White at
3: 99 man. Now these are some leaders I can get behind Let's see. So yeah. Betty White, if she can make it through the dark winter here of, you know, renewed COVID, perhaps uh, January 17th, <laughs> 2022, yeah. she'll hit the century mark. Nice, man. William Shatner feels flat out young at
1: 90 thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Maybe he played uh, Indiana Jones Sorry. <laughs> <Wait>, too soon. <laughs> Jonathan's hung up. Uh, yeah, no, I. Uh, uh, mm. <laughs> Can we at
2: least, compared to the last couple of times I've seen uh, Harrison Ford in a uh, film, he's getting a little old man-ish, he's a little hard to understand, He's he's he sort yeah. of mumbles a lot, and I keep thinking, can we at least try and find a way for him to be articulate in this next one, like... There's a running gag on one of the pods so that I enjoy uh a Hollywood Babylon where they 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 make fun of him mercilessly. It's like, you know, hey Harrison, how do you how are you enjoying your new role? Oh, this is really good. Like that's kinda how he's doing his parts now. It's pretty bang on.
1: Yeah. Good stuff. Yep. Yeah.
2: It's all good. It's all good, man. Yep. Jaime, if you want to really go down the rabbit hole on the uh, the Disney Pulse stuff. They have these ones they call um, uh, uh, HasLab. And HasLab is basically this, uh, if you pay for it, we will build it system, where if they get enough backers, they will build certain toys and accessories and stuff like that. So the, in some of the stuff they've done in the past couple of years, they did a, a full-sized uh Jabba's sail barge from Return of the Jedi that fits like hmm. the the three and a half inch figures but to scale it's massive it's like four feet long and amazing it cost I don't know $400 or something like that but like if they got whatever it was 10,000 backers it was like Kickstarter but but through Hasbro with all the licenses and they basically said you know this is what we're thinking of making if we can get 10,000 people we'll build one and they got enough and they built them they did the same thing last year with the Razor Crest the, the Mandalorian's ship they made this like beautiful, you know, to scale, uh, ship. Little did they know they were going to dust that ship in the show. But, um, the two that came out as part of this Hasbro pulse thing last week, one of them, they're talking about doing this like ultra articulated black series, rancor monster from return of the Jedi. Like, something ridiculous like a hundred points of articulation you can bend all his fingers and his fingernails and all this stuff and make him do like all these crazy poses and stuff like that very cool and the other one that they just put up was uh they're doing authentic replicas of uh the proton packs from ghostbusters wow so you can get you can go in and you can say i will support if you if you guys make these i'll buy one and put your put your name down and yeah pretty pretty cool stuff. Yeah, they're doing some really cool stuff. Uh, you know, the um they really are sort of catering to the fans wants in a way that I I don't remember Toys doing when I was a younger person. Now like they really are going after that collector market. Good stuff. Yes, indeed.
1: Cool. Yeah. Anyway, I got to run away and do some work. So, Ooh. Ooh. all right